everybody doing it is bk here and it is 12:05 p.m here in san diego cold and sunny san diego i should say and yeah this is the last podcast of 2018 how about that god i can't remember the last time i even took a week off but i'm due maybe i'll take next week off who knows uh, go ahead and follow me on twitter and instagram at bk actual i know many of you already do to keep up with important news throughout the week and i really appreciate that so uh, it's been kind of a sort of slow, half-assed news week, uh, you know, how it is post-holidays and all that. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with an update on the government shutdown. And yes, Republican leaders have given up hope, as of Thursday and Friday, of reopening the government before the new year, leaving that border wall impasse to House Democrats as they assume the majority next week and presenting... Representative Nancy Pelosi with her first major challenge as Speaker. Now, House Democrats take control on Wednesday, and they are weighing three approaches to getting funds flowing, none of which, of course, would include additional money for President Trump's proposed wall along the southwestern border. Whichever path they do choose, party leaders said they would vote promptly on January 3rd, hoping to project the image of Democrats as a steadying hand in Washington. Uh, this comes, of course, as Republicans try to blame Pelosi and the Democrats for the shutdown and lax border control. Uh, now, Pelosi is determined to prevent this shutdown from interfering with the Democrats' assumption of power and her return to the speakership. But it appeared almost certain that this careful rollout of the Democrats' legislative agenda, including a sweeping anti-corruption and voting rights bill, God, would be at least partially eclipsed by this funding crisis. Now, the shutdown has affected about a quarter of the government, writes the New York Times. I'm, I'm skeptical of that. Uh, they said they, it has left 800,000 federal workers furloughed or working without pay. And this is what? So Thursday was the sixth day, so this is the eighth day, right? Yes. Now, Trump has shown no signs of letting up. He said, uh, you know, he's owned this from the beginning. He's like, yeah, got to build that wall. And he was tweeting out again today, I saw right before we started recording. Now, uh, everybody is kind of worked up about the shutdown, although, I don't know. Like, they really try to hit you where it hurts. They do this same stuff here in California. They basically will shut down the stuff that, the only stuff that you really need the government for, 
Like in California, what they tried to do, remember when we had the big, uh, like they had a big tax revolt a couple of years ago. So Democrats responded by like shutting down the DMV. You know, the, the, the single thing that your average person needs the government for, yeah, they're good at that. And Obama famously, remember during the ones they did, he shut down like the national monuments and stuff like that. And I did see an amusing story from the LA Times. And it just goes to show you, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you know that our biggest problem is that people can't handle freedom. I've said that for years, right? We need all these stupid rules because people can't be depended to do the right thing when nobody's looking. And the LA Times ran this article, and I don't have it in front of me. I'm just going off memory. And it was about the like Joshua Tree National uh, Monument, and because of the shutdown, there's like no park rangers there. So all these fucking doofuses are going to the Joshua Tree National Monument, and they're like dis- they're like stringing Christmas lights up, you know, for their Instagram selfies on these trees, which the scientists claim are quite delicate and should not be touched and left alone. That's a whole other debate. Maybe they're exaggerating a little bit. But the point is, you can't trust people not to do to do the right thing. Not only are they doing that, they're leaving like trash all over the place, you know, illegal fires, all that shit. You just can't be trusted. That's why we need all these rules. You know, if everybody could do the right thing, we wouldn't need any of this. So that's the government shutdown dragging on, no end in sight. The border wall. <laughs> it's, it's just funny. Oh, I don't know. Everybody's like, in D.C., this is like a huge deal. But uh, honestly, I don't really feel it out here so far. So we'll we'll try to survive the government shutdown. I'm sure Trump will cave any day now, and they'll just pass. They'll pass something symbolic just to get it open. Now, you know, on the border wall, just a side note, I keep seeing the Democrats talking point that the Border Patrol still has not spent like a huge chunk of money they've already allocated to them. And their objection on that ground is, well, we're not going to give you more money when you haven't even spent the money we've given you. So I can't, I I looked really hard to confirm that, but it's hard for me to get source documents on that sort of thing. So DHS guys, Border Patrol guys, DM me on the Twitter machine and let me know if that's actually true. That There's some huge pot of money that hasn't been spent that could be allocated towards uh, whatever security measures that CBP and DHS deem necessary. Let's move on to Trump's visit to Iraq. This is funny, too. Oh, my God. The journalists went wild with this. You guys see this? The, the media is just out of their goddamn minds. First, you had the media screaming because Trump took a picture of, like, dudes in kit. All right. Let me, let me be careful about this because, look, you guys know I'm all about the fucking cool guy who ya pick, all right? But first of all, it looks kind of goofy to take, and if you haven't seen it, there's just go look for Trump's picture with the troops. Allegedly, they were a SEAL team. I don't know if that's true or not. They were wearing, like, the SEAL camo, so I don't know. But the, the guys are all in kit with, like, you know, nods, night vision, and all the helmet, the whole thing, but they're not carrying any guns. So it kind of looks weird to me. Like, if you're going to take that picture, like the kitted-out picture, you have to have a gun in it. Like, the only thing worse would be, like, to be all kitted out, have a rifle, and then no magazine in it. That's, like, another huge beef I have. I think I told you guys this before, but there's a picture at the VA here in San Diego hanging on the wall. You know, there's this long hallway with many pictures of veterans throughout the wars, Korea, Vietnam, etc. And there's this great picture of this Marine uh, Marsoc guy 
And, you know, he's got the kid on. He looks hard as fuck. Except, and he's carrying the scar, you know, the rifle. Except there's no magazine in the rifle. And, like, it ruins the whole picture. Ah, come on, guys. Do better. Anyway, so the picture was kind of goofy. But everybody's like, and, and all the Washington Post guys, oh, my God, you know who you are. They're like, Trump reveals covert SEAL team. And I'm like, oh, get out of here. Like, oh, oh, hey, guys, there's special operations forces in Iraq, and Trump just gave it away. I laughingly said, oh, next thing you'll be telling me that we have special, we have Green Berets in Afghanistan. No, God, OPSEC, OPSEC. Like, stop it already. Uh, but the more serious part, now that I got that out of my system, was the range of Iraqi politicians who criticized Trump on Thursday, a couple days ago, over his surprise Christmas visit to that U.S. military base. And some called for a parliamentary debate on whether American forces should leave. All right, let's parse this a little bit. That could be like two guys calling for a debate on whether American forces should leave, okay? And they're probably like Iranian-backed dudes also. And in, indeed, in the very next paragraph in that New York Times story, they say there was little expectation that Iraq's parliament would take any action in response to the visit, which, of course, had been arranged in strict secrecy for security reasons. Now, keep in mind, 15 years, folks. I know I did my whole rant and spiel about this fucking crap last week. I'm sorry. I'm fired up with the F-bombs already. I'm not going to get into it again. You know where I stand on it. But it has been 15 years. Trump and, oh, by the way, Melania Trump became the first first lady to visit an active combat zone. How about that one? And they went to Al-Assad Air Base, in case you were wondering. And that is where American forces are part of a coalition that has been battling Islamic State extremists. And it was Trump's first presidential visit to American troops stationed overseas trouble spot. And did you see the jur the journalists? Oh my, they are so full of themselves. They basically decided that they should take credit for the visit because they had been publicly shaming Trump for not visiting the troops. My God, these people, they just never, it's all about, once you understand that the modern journalism like, we, we still have all these baby boomers who are, like, infatuated with, like, the 80s and, six, you know, the 70s, where you had the trusted news anchor. Okay, that is over, okay? It's dead, boomers. I'm trying to tell you this. Modern journalism is all about owning Trump. That's all that freaking matters. I keep telling you. I tell you guys this every single week. He will be torn apart on anything he does. And... Many of it for good reason, as I've heavily criticized him in the past, and you know that perfectly well. Now, getting back to the Trump visit, uh, members of this par members in Parliament said that uh, the Christmas visit to Al Assad uh, only lasted three hours, and basically, what their butt hurt is because there were no um, there was no face to face time with Prime Minister Abde Adel Abdul Mahdi. And, uh, by the way, plans for a visit had been shared in advance with the government. That was a more speculation. They said, oh, Iraq didn't even know. Violation of their sovereignty. They did know. But they viewed it, th the lack of face-to-face -face meeting, as an arrogant affront. Now, the most strident denunciations 
came from politicians affiliated with Muqtada al-Sadr. Yeah, that guy's still around. You believe that? The nationalist Shiite cleric whose supporters won the largest share of votes in parliamentary elections last May. And Sadr, of course, if you're going way back, has been an outspoken opponent of all foreign forces in Iraq, and he is heavily backed by Iran. Uh, now, they did call for Iraq to expel the troops from foreign lands, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, first of all, <laughs> go ahead. I want to see that. Go ahead and take that vote. Uh, yeah, pa I, if I was in charge, I'd be like, you know what? I'll tell you what. Don't even take the vote, guy. I'll do you a favor. Pack it up, boys. We're out. Oh, and by the way, we're going to fucking drone this ridiculous multi-billion dollar embassy on prime riverfront real estate in the heart of Baghdad into oblivion before we go out so you can't have it and turn it into some slum. And... Yeah, obviously that'll never happen, but look, I can dream, can I? So that's uh, so they're upset at Trump in Iraq. What's new? Uh, meanwhile, in Afghanistan, yeah, that's still going on too. <laughs> on Christmas Eve, militants stormed Afghan government offices in Kabul after setting off a car bomb. An official said at least 43 people were killed. This is Kabul. This is the capital. <laughs> this is uh, 43 people. The attack lasted at least five hours and shattered a period of relative calm, yeah, relative, in the Afghan capital, which over the years has been subjected to deadly and audacious assaults by militants opposed to the American-backed government. Uh, the attack began late in the afternoon as employees were leaving an area that houses offices belonging to the Afghan Ministry of Public Works and the administration dealing with pensions for the families of people killed and disabled in Afghanistan's long war. Yeah, that's a busy office right there, right? Now, it took about six hours after the militants entered the compound before the fighting had stopped. And the officials said they managed to rescue about 350 workers stuck inside, so could have been a lot worse. But yeah, around 3 p.m., that car bomb exploded in front of the office. Oh, they call it, they call it the Office of Martyrs and the Disabled said a spokesman for the Kabul police. Yeah. They also said three attackers were also killed. The total number of assailants was not clear. Yeah, so that's that keeps going. But remember, you guys, we can't leave, right? Because that'll be, uh, it'll make it worse somehow. I don't know. Now, over to what most of you are concerned with as far as the pullout. I'm trying to go through this fairly quickly, guys, since I spent so much time on it last week. Uh, let's talk about the Syrian Kurds. And those Kurds in Syria have asked the Syrian government on Friday to protect them from possible attack by Turkey. Now, this request apparently surprised some American officials and could help open the way for the forces of President Bashar al-Assad of Syria, who is backed by Russia and Iran, to start retaking the Kurdish-held part of the country near Turkey's border. And that would be a big step towards Assad's goal of reclaiming all of Syria, which, of course, has been upended by almost eight years of war that drags on with no one in sight. And the American-backed Kurdish People's Protection Units, or YPG, said the Syrian government should send troops to the city of Manbij, near the Turkish border. So, 
Essentially, this request amounted to a United States ally calling on an enemy of the United States to protect it from another American ally, Turkey. Now, in case you didn't know, the Kurdish militias are regarded by Turkey as dangerous, autonomy-minded insurgents. However, the United States regards them as valuable partners in helping route Islamic State extremists from Syria, which was the original purpose of the American military deployment four years ago. For Just in Syria. We've been fucking around in Syria now almost as long as we were in World War II. Think about that for a minute. And remember, it's the frickin' end of the world if we pull them out. I encourage a lot of you to go read my Twitter, uh, at BK Actual, me and my man, former SF uh, non-commissioned officer Lino, you know, we had a we had a dialogue and and he's you know, he's more of the he's one of these guys who's like, you know, he's a stability guy. We need to be over there for stability. And I just disagreed and I'm like, dude, none of, this is again the Dick Cheney line, and we've been doing it your way for 15 years. And what's what's happened? What's what's better now than it was 15 years ago? Nothing. And although the American troops in Syria number only about 2,000 people, they have been a deterrent to an assault on the Kurdish militias by the Turks, and that presence also discouraged Assad's forces from sweeping into the area, even as they retook major areas elsewhere from anti-government fighters, often with the support of Russia and Iran. So with that request for help, uh, yesterday, the Kurds have basically invited Assad into at least some of those areas that Assad has, has coveted. So, uh, American officials, here we go again, were taken aback by the Kurdish announcement, voicing frustration and anger to their Kurdish counterparts. Well, what's the, pro what's the problem? <laughs> let, let them figure it out. That's all I'm saying. Why do we have to? Why, what is the problem? I mean, maybe 30 years ago, you could have made the oil argument, right? We're a net oil exporter now. We've got more friggin' oil than we know what to do with, okay? We don't need Syria. We don't need Iraq. They need us way more than we need them. I've told you guys this for years. All these countries with these stupid wars, and I see all these commentators and these uh, neoconservative guys they act like this is like a vital partnership. And I'm like, this is not a partnership. <laughs> this, is not, this is not two equal parties, okay? Get it through your head. Is that not politically correct to say or something? Because I never hear anybody spelling that out uh, at all. And I don't know why. Now, the other stupid thing that happened was a lot of uh, commentators were quite upset because when Trump visited, I know I'm jumping around a little bit here, but... Remember that Trump visited uh, al-Assad, right? So the big f scandal that the journalists seized on to get Trump was that some soldiers, apparently airmen, whatever you want to call it, troops, had various Trump uh, paraphernalia, right? You know, the Make America Great Again hats. And apparently Trump signed them. So at first they were accused of handing out the hats, and they, they, they denied that. I don't know. I'm just telling you who said what. Okay, I don't know it's true. Uh, the Trump people said, no, we didn't hand any hats. These are like personal objects. So CNN st starts wondering aloud if the troops should be disciplined for this uh, outrage. Let's listen to a little bit of Jim Acosta here on CNN. Uh, is that unusual to see the president doing that on base? Uh, does this run the risk of the president, you know, facing some accusations that he's turning some of this into a campaign stop? 
What do you think? Well, you know, this is very interesting. The pool reporters traveling said that the troops brought the hats with them, including one hat that said Trump 2020. We will have to see if that actually proves to be the case. The question is, if they, if they brought them or if the president brought them, what commander allowed that to really happen? Because this is very much against military policy and regulation. Well, Troops get are not here. supposed to be involved in political activities. The U.S. military is not a political force. And there's no oh, question okay. uh, the saying Trump 2020 and make America great again, those are political slogans of a Trump campaign. They are not governmental uh Saints, to put to say the least. Right, and, and John, I, I mean, what would the concern be if something like that is going? Okay, really quick. The, first of all, this is uh, this guy coming up is John Kirby. He's a retired admiral. He's a big uh, anti-Trump guy. So let's listen to what he says. Think, or is this just, you know, a soldier is there? He's got a hat in his in his locker, and he runs over and says, "Hey, when am I going to have another chance for the president to sign one of these things?" Yeah, look, I mean, it kind of blurs the line because the the Trump is his slogan, and where's that? Where's that? You know, where's that line? But Barb's right, it is. In in fact, a campaign slogan that is a campaign item and is completely inappropriate for the troops to uh, do not this. Supposed to no do it. Inappropriate. Not supposed to do this, and I'm sure that their bosses seeing that, they're they're not going to be happy about it. But look, the president has to take some ownership of this too. Every time he's around military audiences, he tends to politicize it. Anyway. Okay, you know what's you know what's bad when freaking Jim Acosta is the voice of reason. Shut up, just shut up, Kirby. Shut up. I can't even stop this now. You know what's bad when Jim Acosta is like the voice of reason. You know. Anyway, pretty funny stuff. And uh, just on for the record, uh, U.S. forces Europe has said that troops holding Make American Great Again hats during Do President Donald Trump's visit Thursday to Romstein Air Base were not in violation of military rules that prohibit taking part in partisan activities while in uniform. They said in a statement, quote, there is no rule against airmen bringing personal items to be signed by the president, end quote. So there you go. Uh, I should clarify that apparently the uh, all the hats and Make America Great Again stuff, that did not happen at Al-Assad. That happened at, at Romstein. So I just want to clarify that. Um, but yes, the journalists were very, very quite upset about that. I'm, you know, it's funny. I can't remember CNN inviting uh, retired, you know, um, admirals on when the troops were marching in the San Diego Gay Pride Parade in full uniform. <laughs> and don't tell me that's not political, okay? Because that is a very political event. They hand out all kinds of LBGTQ activist literature. To say nothing of the guys in uh, short shorts uh, all greased up dancing on floats, okay? So don't tell me that's not a political event. But I, it's funny. I can't remember anybody getting on CNN and criticizing that. And I'm happy to be proved wrong on that. I don't think anybody would, and maybe they did, but I can't see anybody daring to even question that in today's political climate. You know, No questioning anything like that. Any, anything woke must go unquestioned. So that was uh, that was Trump overseas. <laughs> I told Jack Murphy earlier on Twitter this week. I was like, "You guys know, that, like, look, I don't, th I don't think Trump is going to win in 2020." But then again, I said that in 2016, and I was wrong. I, I don't think he's going to win. But literally, the only reason I have for even voting in 2020 and voting for Trump, uh, it's, at this point, I will just because. The only reason I have to do that is to see the freaking meltdown that would happen. Can you guys imagine how 
the resistance would just lose their shit if Trump wins a second term? Because let's face it, 2016 was an outlier to them. And nobody saw that coming. And you saw the rage. Remember the night of the election? There were spontaneous protests. Now take all that and magnify it after four years of Trump and say the madman wins another term. Can you imagine the meltdowns? <laughs> is I know, it's pathetic that the only reason I have to vote is to see uh, the resistance anguish, but that's pretty much my guiding political philosophy now. Anything that makes the resistance howl and wail, um, I'm for. Okay, I know it's not a very good political philosophy, but that's where we are. Let's move on to some other news. And this one, remember last week I talked about that Gatwick Airport in England and it shut down? And they said basically uh, they thought there was a drone. Well, and they arrested a couple people. And now they let those people go. And now they're saying there might not have been a drone at all. <laughs> this is bizarre. Uh Basically, what happened, according to uh, Sussex, the town of Sussex, I guess that's where Gat Gatwick Airport is, he said numerous instances of illegal drone activity at Gatwick Airport led to the airport being shut down in the run-up to Christmas, and it was not a police drone. Now, this is Chief Constable Giles York. That's a good Brit name. He, and he appeared to try to clarify earlier comments in which he said some of the drones spotted near Gatwick during the festive disruption may have belonged to police. Um, now, officers, he said, are looking into relevant sightings by 115 witnesses, including 93 from what they call credible witnesses, which are people such as pilots, airport staff, and police officers. And police have searched 26 potential launch sites near the airport, but have not located the device that disrupted about 1,000 flights on 19 and 20 December. So this incident basically canceled the travel plans of more than 140,000 people. Now, they did find two drones near the airport, but those have now been ruled out of the investigation. And then previously, as I said, police said it was possible there were no drones at all, but then they later backtracked on that. And York, the spokesman, told the BBC that he was, quote, absolutely certain that there was a drone flying through the period that the airport was closed, end quote. Uh, now, they do have military technology in place in Gatwick to tackle rogue drones, but again, those two people they arrested have been released without charge, and as a matter of fact, the police apologized to them. And they were in custody for 36 hours before being freed. And this is just so bizarre. Now, Gatwick Airport, if you have any information, they are offering a 50,000 British pound reward for information to, leading to the arrest and conviction of those uh, responsible. So uh, it's, it's so weird, man. I like what uh, it's, uh, it doesn't seem possible, especially an airport. Imagine the surveillance at an airport. I mean, cameras everywhere, maybe other than the bathroom. Are there cameras in the airport bathroom? Maybe at the beginning? Maybe? I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it's just hard to believe with all the surveillance that they have no clue what if there was even a drone or anything else. Pretty crazy. How about this story? Let's turn to the Robert Mueller Russia collusion investigation. And this is, this is a, a little bit of a mystery 
because now a Russian company is accusing the special counsel of having collected a nude selfie as part of the Russian probe. Yeah, that came from a lawyer for the Russian company. That's the Concord Management and Consulting. Yeah, I've said their name a few times before. And the lawyer for Concord named Eric Dubullier has accused Robert Mueller's team of illegally keeping information from their company. Now, he said in the filing that among the millions of records that the special counsel has collected as evidence in the case is a nude selfie. So naturally, I'm dying to know who. Is it Paul Manafort? Is it Michael Cohen? No, God, please. I'd like to imagine it's the uh, that the hot Russian spy chick. You know, Maria Butina, is that her name? Remember, she was the one who was, like, trying to get the NRA to uh, give her money or something? I, I can't get into it too much. Uh, but, yeah, they. Uh, I hope it's her and not Michael Cohen. That's for sure. Uh, let's move on to what many of you uh, have corresponded with me about this week and uh, something that is near and dear to my heart. I, I've told you about the dangers of these sanctuary city policies so many times. I've lost count. And what happened? Well, we had a police officer shot and killed by an illegal immigrant. He was a fugitive who was wanted in the murder of uh, Corporal Ronil Singh from Wednesday morning, and they did arrest him. His name is Gustavo Perez Ariaga. And Stanislaus County Sheriff Adam Christensen announced his arrest and they caught him in Bakersfield, about 280 miles southeast of Newman, which is where police officer Singh was shot and killed. Now, Christensen, whose department obviously is handling this case, told reporters in a news conference that Ariaga is from Mexico, and yes, he is in the United States illegally. He also went on to say the suspect had been in the country for a number of years and was seeking to cross back over the border before the shooting occurred. And the suspect had known gang affiliations as well as past DUI arrests, two past DUI arrests to be specific. Now, and furthermore, he was stopped by Singh because Singh suspected uh, him of driving under the influence. Once Singh pulled him over, a gunfight ensued. Obviously, Singh tried to defend himself, and he was uns sadly unsuccessful. He did die. Authorities also said they've arrested two others, 25-year-old Adrian Vergen and 27-year-old Eric Kiros, who Sheriff Christensen said had attempted to mislead investigators in an, in an effort to protect the suspect. Uh, he will be... Ariaga was going to obviously be charged with homicide, and the two guys uh, arrested are being charged with being accessories after the fact to a felony. Uh, now, there was some pretty, I have a few audio clips here. Uh, one was Kern County Sheriff uh, wanted to tell everyone that uh, the suspect was in custody, and indeed, they took Officer Singh's handcuffs and they brought them down and place them on this uh, this clown's wrist. Hear this. He's in custody, and I can tell you this: that um, Officer Singh's handcuffs were brought down, and they're on that guy. 
for his trip home. Obviously an emotional moment for the officers, and it's uh, kind of tough to listen to. And speaking of emotional moments, Singh's brother did, attempt, uh, did uh, attend a press conference also, and he spoke out about his older brother. Let's I hear how this goes. And very proud of the fact that the suspect is in custody. He has been apprehended in Bakersfield. First, I want to introduce uh, Officer Ron Singh's brother, Reggie. Uh, he'd like to share a few words with all of you. Please bear with me. This is not easy for me. Ronil Singh was my older brother. Yes, he's not coming back, but There's a lot of people out there that misses him. <laughs> and a lot of law enforcement people that I don't know to work days and nights to make this happen. I'd like to thank you for the bottom of my heart <laughs> to make this happen. It's fucking absolutely brutal, you guys. And you know what really chapped my ass about this? Is let's fucking remember, you guys, the tragic death of the illegal alien child whose father abused her by dragging her through a desert with no water and our border patrol agents tried desperately to save her in the middle of nowhere doing field resuscitations, life flighting her to hospital. And fucking stupid Robert Beto O'Rourke is tweeting about that within like 15 fucking minutes of it happening. Kamala Harris has sent at least... A half a dozen tweets about that. Hillary Clinton was tweeting about it. Do you fucking see what this is? It is a full court press. They use an isolated tragedy like that to try and live their dream of no borders. And that's essentially what it is. Don't get me started with the they believe in border security, blah, blah, blah. I've been over it a hundred times. I'm not going to do it anymore. They don't. And yet. They Kamala Harris has not even tweeted about this. This is one of her constituents. She's a former district attorney. Any fucking media going to ask her if she's going to talk about it or not? I've been all over her Twitter trying to shame her into something. Not a fucking peep. This is what it is. And don't tell me I'm doing the same thing as them with the isolated incident. These Illegal immigrant criminals is far from an isolated incident. This happens every single day. It's hardly ever covered by the media. Shit, I only cover the ones I hear about, which are the most heinous ones, because, you know, the normal everyday shit isn't even covered. The DUIs, the graffiti, the petty theft, the burglaries, the petty larceny. That, that won't even make the, the, the news, especially if they're an illegal immigrant, because the media is 100% in the tank for trying desperately to protect them. They are. I just wish they would admit it. Again, if you don't believe me, go check out some of the journalists too. Chris Hayes from MSNBC. Some dope from Houston I tweeted yesterday. Some local reporter. Dozens of tweets about the tragic death of the children. Nothing about this. Hardly anything. And a matter of fact, if it wasn't a police officer, it wouldn't have even made this much news. You, you fucking know it, and I know it. If it was just Joe Schmo, it'd be a one-day story. And I can prove that to you, which I will in a second. I'm just getting a little tired of the double standard, and it's freaking pathetic. Robert O'Rourke, you will never, I hope you are, are never president. God forbid. <laughs> Rahm Emanuel was right. 
Remember Rahm Emanuel? I didn't. I had this clip. I never played on a podcast. But Rahm Emanuel was like, "Why are we promoting this guy who just lost? We're not normally in the business of promoting losers of elections." Of course, Beto O'Rourke lost the Senate election to Ted Cruz. Oh, what else do I have on this? Uh, oh, so let us also consider the sanctuary city part of this. Now, the sheriff of Stanislaus County, not me, is. Well, I am too, obviously, but he's the one who is blaming sanctuary policies because, again, as I stated, he had two previous DUI offenses. So why wasn't he turned over to ICE at the end of that previous DUI? Well, if you followed this podcast for any long length of time, you guys know I've talked about the state laws we've enacted. Specifically, Senate Bill 54 is basically the sanctuary state law. And the sheriff leading the investigation says this is preventable. This murder was preventable. He blamed California sanctuary law for preventing local authorities from reporting Ariaga to U.S. immigration officials for those two previous drunken driving arrests. If he had been turned over to ICE, he would have been deported and police officer Ronald Singh would be still alive. So it was entirely preventable. So don't talk to me about... Oh, BK, the murder rates for immigrants are far lower. It should be zero, okay? Get that through your goddamn head. Now, I do have a clip of the sheriff talking about this issue and why he can't honor ICE detainers. Remember, if you guys go back, I don't, ha- I don't know which episode it is. I went into massive detail about SB 54 when it passed, and I told you all this was going to happen. And I should point out, remember, the author of the bill, State Senate leader Kevin DeLeon, who just lost the primary race, thank God, for Senate to Dianne Feinstein. Originally, when he introduced the legislation, and this can't be pointed out enough, he didn't want anybody turned over to ICE. I'm talking rapists who made bail, murderers who made bail, manslaughters who made bail. He didn't want any of them turned over to ICE. But even the fucking SJW sheriffs out here, not all of them, some of them are, even that was that was even too much for them. So he backed off of a little bit and he said, okay, okay, we'll do, we'll, we will turn suspected murderers over to ICE. But short of that, again, the list of crimes I mentioned, you don't get, it's against the law for the local sheriff to turn you over to ICE. Uh, and, and believe it or not, Kevin DeLeon actually had the nutsack to actually tweet out his condolences to police officer Singh and his family. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, I mean, ballsy, right? I believe the word is chutzpah when it was your friggin' bill that made this possible. So let's listen to Sheriff Christensen here uh, explaining why he cannot honor ICE detainers. It's about two minutes long. Now, explain to us the, the absurdity of what's going on in California. Can, can ICE even be told that these others are now in custody? No, based on... Uh, their charges and criminal histories, and we haven't dug into all of them yet at this point. Uh, I can't honor the detainers because of the federal court's ruling on Fourth Amendment violations, nor can I communicate with ICE uh, about their custody status. How does that... I don't understand how it's palatable here. We're talking about the criminal element. Uh, This is not the first time that this has happened where you've had somebody who's accused of something very serious but how devastating this and how often does it happen it must be daily if not hourly this is going on in california 
It happens frequently. Let me see if I can explain it as simply as I can for your viewing audience. The idea behind, and first of all, Congressman, I'm not against lawful, legal uh, immigration to this community. You don't have I, to clarify it. We're a community, an agricultural it. community right. with a large population that serves in that economy. Yes, yes. Get to the point. Sure. The idea behind this policy, these laws, was because there's a belief that people don't trust law enforcement and they won't come forward uh, to tell us about being a victim of crime because they're afraid of that we will deport them. Absolutely not true. Local law enforcement doesn't engage in the enforcement of federal immigration law. But by doing this, you've now created sanctuary for criminals, people who are here illegally victimizing and exploiting others. And there's a category of crimes that below a certain threshold, so anything serious or violent, we can communicate. Anything below that, like DUI, we're prohibited statutorily from communicating with our law enforcement partners uh, with ICE. Okay, let me stop right here. I'm sorry about the audio quality is not the best. It happens sometimes, but that was the best, the only clip I could find of him. Uh, a DUI, okay, a DUI, right? So, so in other words, we have to wait for the illegal immigrant who we did not invite in any way, shape, or form, we have to wait for him to plow into a family of four and cause devastating injuries and or deaths before that meets the requirement to be deported. But then it's too late. That's, it's too late at that point. The damage is done. A DUI, that should be a deportable offense. You can kill people. But nobody ever spells this out. The useless Republicans in California are fucking terrible. They're terrible. And nobody ever speaks passionately and succinctly about this. Stupid Governor Jerry Brown was all in, uh, all about the sanctuary state law. Uh, Kevin DeLeon, obviously, it was his bill. He's all about the sanctuary state law. Our doofus incoming governor, Gavin Newsom, he'll probably make it illegal to even arrest an illegal alien. He's that far out there. I'm telling you, Californians have no idea what's coming. You think this is bad now? It's going to get way worse. I spoke earlier about how I can prove that the media doesn't give a shit about anything. Do you guys remember that shooting? You, I bet you don't, because this was like a six-hour story. The, the shooting in the, the farm country, Exeter, California, do you guys remember that? It was basically a random drive-by shooting in an orchard, and that was uh, a gentleman named Gustavo Garcia, and he killed somebody injured at least six others, robbed thousands of dollars from a convenience store, and then led a wrong-way police chase down a busy highway in a stolen truck. And the cops think he might have also been responsible for a second homicide that is still under investigation. Well, guess what? He, too, was an illegal alien. And he, too, had been previously deported. And Tulare County, I don't know, it's T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare or Tulare, the county sheriff there, Mike Boudreaux, told reporters, he said, again, he, our officers were unable to cooperate with U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Quote, that tool has been removed from our hands, end quote. Before that alleged crime spree, he had been removed from the U.S. twice. First in 2004 and then again in 2014. And he had spent 27 months in federal prison for illegally re-entering the country. Well, that's why you need the physical barrier. 
and you know the thing, guys. Listen, I want to split. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something. When I say the media doesn't cover it, I want to be specific because I've gotten into this debate before. Yes, I am reading an article in the Washington Post. So technically, yes, the media did cover it. I'm saying there's a difference between a one-off article one time in a newspaper and round-the-clock cable news coverage with many talking head pundit panels that goes on for days and days and days, just like the tragic migrant children deaths at the border. That's what happened in those cases when it comes to illegal immigrants committing all kinds of crimes, especially in California, because our population is so huge. It's a one-day story. And again, if this, in this case, if, if it wasn't a police officer, if Officer Singh was just Joe Schmo, this would also be a one-day story. Uh, because he's a police officer, obviously he's much, it's a much bigger deal. Uh, so, oh, and uh, just, uh, just in case, a few other stories on this uh, same topic. Uh, a guy named Tajay Chambers, he uh, shot to death a 12-year-old named Clinton Howell. And he confessed to that murder. He's 18 years old, and he is also an illegal immigrant from Jamaica. And once he got to the fam, once he joined his family in Connecticut 18 months ago, he quickly formed his own gang with several other people, and they did a drive-by and killed this young man, sadly, who was only 12 years old. And uh, again, you got you guys didn't even hear about that, did you? I bet you didn't. It's just it's never ending the propaganda. Uh, and also. Further on, a few more border news. You know, they're basically, we're back to catch and release. You guys know that, right? Hundreds or even thousands of migrant families are set to be released from government detention along the U.S. border over the next several days. And again, Beto O'Rourke is organizing pledge drives and food drives and free hotels and free everything else for this. And so, like, shockingly, the, the people back home see all this and go, well, shit, look, they got in. Shit, their senate senators are tweeting about how we need to take care of them. Let's fucking go. It's of course it's a magnet. To argue as, uh, argue otherwise is absurd. So that's going on day and night at the border. I'm I know again. I'm just trying to get through this quickly because there's so much. Uh, the Guatemalan father of that child who died on Christmas Eve. He actually denied further medical treatment from U.S. Customs and Border Protection agents after the child vomited following an initial examination from doctors. And that was 8-year-old Felipe Gomez Alonzo. That was not the uh, girl earlier I talked about, the young female. And he was given multiple medications, examinations by doctors before being released with medications. And they were put into a temporary holding facility where agents were aware of the child's illness and provided the child with his medication. And a few hours after the father and boy entered the facility, the child complained of being nauseous and later vomited. And at this point, the father declined further medical treatment for his son and told officials that he, quote, had been feeling better, end quote. Sadly, he later died. But again, the message is from our disgusting media and foul people on MSNBC, that our border patrol agents and our ICE agents and our DHS people are, are basically the Gestapo. They're torturing children. That's the fucking narrative, you guys. It always has been. 
Notice how nobody ever talked about migrant deaths before Trump. It has happened, you know. Yes. Believe it or not. You know, in 2014, there were a total of 313 total deaths at the southwest border. Uh, There were 329 in 2016. Now, in 2017, the Trump administration's first full year, there were 294. Now, of course, not all of those deaths happen in Border Patrol custody. These are just deaths, period. And we don't know how many of them were children or anything else. But I'm just saying, you guys, this didn't fucking, the media doesn't say boo about this. But now, because it's a chance to own Trump again, their primary mission now, they're all over it. And DHS, by the way, is requesting that the Center for Disease Control is investigate the cause of the growing number of sick migrants illegally crossing into the U.S.-Mexico border. Uh, they, a DHS official told reporters that literally dozens of sick migrants are being transported to hospitals across the border each day and that growing numbers of children showing illness are present in Border Patrol custody. There you go. It's just a never-ending fucking black hole. And you wonder why these hospitals say they're going broke? What do you, you think? You think the illegal immigrants are paying their bill? You are, dummy. You, the taxpayer, are paying the bill. All right, uh, guys. I'm fucking. That's it. For I can't take anymore with the border. So, so let's turn to this. And yes, many of you did send this to me. All right. I promised I'd throw this out. Okay. So apparently, the backstory on this, I'm not sure. If, I actually thought this was fake, but apparently it is not fake. Uh, this is a transgender woman, okay? So a a biological male who is decided to be a transgender woman. And apparently he's at a GameStop, and the clerk mistakenly misgendered him. This is uh, pretty much a hate crime now. It, I, literally, it is a crime in, in, in Britain already, I believe. Like, you can fucking go to jail. Now, let's be clear. This is not Miss Spain from the Miss Universe contest who looked like, uh, was it Miss Spain? The transgender, right? Born a, born a male. I mean, in that case, I got to admit, that Miss Spain, if that's who she was, very much looked like a female, almost mostly, right? This is not such a case, okay? This is a very large, obvious man. And the poor, like, little teenage clerk is obviously scared shitless. He's much smaller than the transgender woman. And uh, apparently somewhere in the, before the video started, he called him sir, like, trying to be polite. And it's, 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 it's just, it, it's not the guy's fault. You, it just comes out. That's like the natural thing is say, oh, okay, sir, when it's like a six-foot-three guy with stubble wearing a wig. I mean, dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> but... Here we go. Uh, so anyway, somebody caught the whole thing on video. This dude starts freaking out. This transgender woman starts freaking out. So let's hear how this goes. Here we go. You're gonna give me my fucking money back. Excuse me, sir. There's a young man in here. Excuse me, it's ma'am. It is ma'am. I can call the police if you'd like me to. You need to settle down. You need to settle down and mind your business, okay? Ma'am, once again, ma'am. I said both of you. No, you said sir. Once again, it's ma'am. I actually said both of you guys. Right beforehand, you fucking said, sir. Sir? Okay. Motherfucker, take it outside. If you want to call me sir again, I will show you a fucking sir. I apologize. Motherfucker. I apologize now. Just kicked over a bunch of boxes. I need your corporate number. Because I'm going to talk, call them and talk about how I was misgendered several times in this story. <laughs> I need your corporate number now. 
Get it for me now. I'm going to ask you to calm down and stop cussing. Give me your corporate number. Well, I'm going to ask you for the fifth time to stop calling me a man. Because quite clearly I am not. Uh, disagree, sir. Yes, get it for me now. Get it for me now. I'm not cussing. I'm not cussing. Give me the damn number. Please. Ooh! Yes. Oh, I will get to that number right now. Oh man. Okay, you know what? I, you guys know I don't really listen. I only listen to like the first few seconds of clips just to make sure the audio is good. So I was actually impressed by that clerk. I mean, he handled it really well for like a young guy. And furthermore, honestly, bro, uh transgender lady. You should be fucking more embarrassed about being a grown adult in a GameStop trying to like get games. Honestly, fucking video games. I know you guys. I know a lot of you guys like video games. I like video games. I do not have a video game console anymore. I had a PlayStation Four. It broke like three years ago, and that was the last time I had one. I'm better off, frankly. Uh, but yeah, too fucking funny, dude. The misgendering. <laughs> You got to go see the video because you heard the dude's voice. He's a large... I'm not giving him pronouns. He doesn't get pronouns. I told you guys. I'll do the pronouns on a case-to-case basis. You don't fucking get pronouns, jerk. But yes, he's uh, quite a large man. And uh, you heard the voice. Again, sounds like a man. Looks like a man. I don't know. You're not going to change human nature, guy. You just aren't. Uh, let's move on. You know, there's a, a new survey has found that an average person forms a first impression of you in just 27 seconds. Actually, that seems high to me. I myself form a first impression of people in about three seconds. Uh, but yeah, they did say a survey of 2,000 Americans uh, revealed that seven out of 10 people say they decide how they feel about new people before the person even says a word. Absolutely. This study was commissioned by Dollar Shave Club. I don't, I don't know how accurate this study is, but it's still funny. And researchers found that in order to leave positive first impressions, smiling, being polite, smelling nice, hmm, being a good listener, and making eye contact are most important. Uh, conversely, they do not want you to smell bad, act arrogant, or dress poorly. And uh, a person's scent was found to be extremely memorable. The majority of respondents, 85%, said they'd have a more favorable opinion of someone if they do not have body odor. <laughs> well, no, no shit. Oh, man. And the uh, and as far as dating goes, the average respondent believes that they know just 15 minutes into a first date whether they want to go on a second date. <laughs> 15 minutes? What? How about, like, fucking 15 seconds? Uh, they say 20 minutes in whether or not they want to go home with someone. That's not, that's bullshit. Ask any chick, okay? Ask a chick. If you go on like one of your Tinder dates or Bumble dates or whatever internet dates you're doing, ask any girl, how long, how many seconds does it take before you decide, yes, it's at least possible that I would bang this dude? I bet it's, I bet it's under 30 seconds. So I, I don't know where they get to 15 minutes. That seems like really high to me. Okay, back to some more serious stuff for a moment. Um, maybe you didn't hear about this, but they had a fucking IED in Egypt. Yeah, and it fucking blew up a bus full of Vietnamese tourists, and this is right in Cairo, right by the Gaza pyramids. This is a big deal. I can't believe this isn't a bigger story. 
it did kill at least four people and wounded 10 more. Now, it's they're calling it a primitive explosive, and it had been stashed by a wall in the Mariotia area near the pyramids, said the Interior Ministry. Uh, let me clarify. The dead included three Vietnamese tourists and an Egyptian tour guide. Oh, uh, Prime Minister told reporters that the bus had left its designated route without notifying authorities. And no militant group immediately claimed responsibility. But Egypt has been fighting an Islamic State affiliate in Sinai since 2013. Now, that Sinai insurgency has mostly targeted security forces in the Sinai Peninsula and that Christian minority in the mainland. I think I've covered a few attacks on that. Remember they had the church bombings in Egypt some time back? Killed quite a few people. And that militant group had claimed responsibility for downing that Russian airliner in Sinai in October 2015. You guys remember that one? That killed all 224 people on board. Now last month, Gunmen opened fire on two buses some 85 miles south of Cairo and killed seven Coptic pilgrims. And, though here it is. This is the one I was just referring to. November 2017, the militants targeted another minority, which were Muslim Sufis, during their prayers and killed at least 311 people. That is the deadliest sectarian bloodshed in Egypt's modern history. So, another fucking clusterfuck over there. Shocking, isn't it? Crazy. Uh, meanwhile, in India, they have some trapped coal miners over there. Yeah, Indian rescue workers are struggling to save 15 workers who have been trapped for two weeks in an illegal coal mine. And their chances of survival are growing increasingly slim, and the government has come under fire for failing to provide sophisticated equipment for the operation. This is in the northeastern state of hmm, Meghalaya. And these miners became trapped on December 13th when the mine was flooded by a nearby river. Now, these illegal mines are called rat holes by local activists because of the narrow tunnels, and they are prevalent through the state and often connected to local politicians, evading laws and regulations. Uh, yeah, you probably, I know. I'm the only guy, you guys, I'm, I keep telling you, nobody else is covering this. I'm the only guy. Uh, what else? Uh, we had a crazy week in the stock market. God, I was tweeting about that in the week. You guys, it was fucking nuts. Did you see that? I mean, it was just a complete meltdown. And honestly, I think a lot of this is like due to automated trading in the algorithms. I've talked about that before. But they're very worried about this, even though some of the overlying numbers look solid. The December employment report, which came out Friday morning, showed that 180,000 jobs were created, up from 155,000 in November. Wages are expected to grow by about 3% year-on-year, and the unemployment rate is expected to hold steady at 3.7%. So great, right? Well, stocks will exit 2018 after massive instability. Now, the Dow had its best day ever on Wednesday with over a 1,000-point gain. And then following that, it had its worst Christmas Eve day ever with a loss of more than 600 Dow points in half-day session. It's been crazy. They moved both. Uh, the stocks were, uh, at one point, they were down like 500 points only to bounce back and finish like up 150. It's just been insane. I saw one company 
Between the dip and then the rise, the stock changed by 18% total. I mean, that is not normal. <laughs> so who knows what's going on? 2019 should be exciting. Meanwhile, the German military is concerned about filling its ranks because they abolished mandatory military service seven years ago. I actually didn't know that. So now they're looking into recruiting foreigners for their service. <laughs> that, that'll end well. Now, again, just like the Iraqi parliament, there's conflicting accounts of the extent of these discussions. But one guy named General Eberhard Zorn, the chief of defense, said that the military was considering enlisting foreign citizens for highly specialized roles like doctors and information technology specialists. Okay, so this is like mostly like skilled uh, kind of like, just like we are trying to desperately recruit people in cybersecurity. But we haven't, we've stopped short of the, uh, the actively looking for foreign citizens. I mean, I know we have the program, but it's a tiny, tiny bit of it. Now, hours after that, for, uh, chief of Defense talked. The news magazine Der Spiegel published an article about a leaked government report indicating that plans to recruit citizens of other European Union countries were broader and more concrete than that narrow notion aired by General Zorn. According to the magazine, the report discussed adding large numbers of foreigners in between the ages of 18 and 40 to the German military in a variety of roles going way beyond those niche specialties he spoke of uh so i don't know i don't know how well that's going to work out buddy in case you're warning their armed forces have about 180,000 troops about one-third as many as the former west germany had in 1990 however the government has committed to expanding the military in the next few years obviously there's a a certain uh, unpleasantness when it comes to discussing the German military. But uh, like I've said, you got to get over that. I mean, I've gotten over it. You know, that was, World War II was, was a long time ago. You got to get past it. Get past the Nazis, you guys. Come on, any day now. Speaking of Der Spiegel, you know, last week I talked about that reporter who invented a bunch of stories. Yeah, well, Der Spiegel has announced that it will actually press charges against that former star reporter who is being accused of systematically faking interviews and articles. And this might be the biggest journalism scandal in Germany since another news magazine published fake Hitler diaries 35 years ago. I didn't know that. That's funny. So um, this was Klaus Relochis, who was only 33 years old. That's the reporter. And some of the most notable articles that Relochis admitted faking are set in the United States. Yeah, one of them was uh, he said a Trump supporter had a uh, no Mexicans sign on his lawn, stuff like that. You know, and, and you, know, you know the Der Spiegel audience is going to eat all that crap up and believe whatever they want to believe. So, good. Uh, sex robots are in the news, and I never let one of these stories get past me. The technology breakthroughs keep going, you guys. Sex robots will soon be able to feel a human's touch with a new smart skin, making cyber love more realistic. An expert told the British tabloid The Sun, which is one of my favorite news outlets. Uh, it's called, they call it the touch you. 
And this is the latest development in sex-related technology that will supposedly make sexual interactions between humans and sex robots more natural. Oh, this is good. This technology can also be used by lovers in long-distance relationships to stimulate each other over the internet. Huh. How's that going to work? Um, now, I'm just scrolling through here because I'm trying to... I'm trying to find out how that's going to work. Now, the guy who developed the Touch You technology says it will make the interaction between humans and sex robots more natural because the latest sex robots can only be receptive to touch in specific areas such as the neck and genitals. Well, this technology will make it the whole body. And this smart skin is made up of tiny sensors that can detect, detect the position of a touch, similar to a laptop touchpad and it detects the force too or pressure of the touch and sends the information to a wireless bluetooth device that is connected to the robot <laughs> Jesus. i'm glad all our great technology is going to this this is all this is all it is now and um oh here oh here we go all right he describes how the elect the electronic smart skin can be used in a long distant relationship between partners by describing humans as becoming like a giant touchpad. Okay, so you put this skin, quote, end quote, on yourself, right? And so then your partner on the internet can uh, touch his pad and it feels like he's touching your nipple. You guys tracking? So you can make like bras and panties out of this skin so then it would feel like your boyfriend who's in Afghanistan is mashing the mouse and it feels like he's pressing your vagina. Oh, this is, seems very complicated. You know, believe me, people are... I don't know if they'll need that. I don't know if there's going to be a big demand. Be, trust me, the video sexting from overseas is, uh, is, is quite vigorous. I can tell you that right now from various dudes I've accidentally walked in on. You know who you are. Uh, how about this? I want to do note this and celebrate this man's life. Uh, the nation's oldest living veteran, Richard Overton, talked about him a few times, has, has finally died. He died in Austin at age 112 years old. How about that? Hell of a run. He was admitted to the hospital last week with pneumonia. He did die on Thursday. A funeral has been set for January 12th with full military honors. That's very good. And uh, he lived quite a life. He was born in 1906 and served in the Army for three years during World War II. And then he spent the majority of his life in Austin and was often seen on the porch of his home, which he built in Austin in 1945. Uh, he gave credit to God for his longevity, but famously, he always said that cigars and whiskey helped him. He said, I've been smoking cigars from when I was 18 years old, and I'm still smoking them. Twelve a day, he said. <laughs> wow, crazy. Yeah, it's all genetics. That's all it is. It doesn't matter. If you've got the right genetics for this longevity, that's, you know, I, I like the stories, and I've done a few of them where they always ask some old person who's like 100 fucking years old, like, oh, what's the secret? And they always have something, you know, like, oh, I smoke every day. I go for a walk every day. It's a, none of that shit matters. It's all your genetics. That's it. Someday soon, 
you'll be able to like be like 10 years old and know exactly how long you're going to live. Unless we get technology to expand that. That's the question though. Would you want to know? Like, I wouldn't want to know. Like, if somebody told you right now, like, BK, I can take a vial of your blood. I can run a genetic scan. I can tell you exactly when you're going to die. I wouldn't fucking want to know that. I mean, the curiosity in me would probably kind of want to know, but I, I don't know. That's something, maybe some things are better left unsaid. You know what I mean? How about this from the New York Post? A Chicago area attorney fed up with his life's his wife's love for her two chihuahuas. He chucked the dogs off her second floor balcony, killing one during an argument, said Chicago police. This guy, what a nut. 51 years old, Gerald Jeske. He faces one count of aggravated cruelty to animals in the death of a 16-year-old chihuahua found dead by police. His wife told police the pair had been arguing in a vehicle when he slapped her twice and said, quote, you love those dogs more than you love me. I'm going to kill those dogs, according to reports. Uh, he then allegedly grabbed her keys, went inside her home, and threw the dogs off the balcony. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, they are chihuahuas. I, I know dogs. Yes, dogs are high on my animal hierarchy. Chihuahuas are probably the lowest of the dog on the hierarchy, for sure. I want to get more into... You know, this is another story that's been shockingly... Un undercovered by the media. And I, I alluded to it a little bit last week. And that was that disinformation campaign that they used in the uh, Alabama Senate race last year. And remember, they used, uh, they mimicked Russian tactics to try to do it. And it was actually co-founded. I'm sorry, it was, it was funded by the co-founder for LinkedIn. He was involved. That's billionaire tech entrepreneur Reed Hoffman. And he is apologizing for his role in funding that group involved in that disinformation campaign. Now, in a statement to the Post, Hoffman, who's one of the co-founders of LinkedIn and a former PayPal executive, said he regretted that the group he funded, named American Engagement Technologies, participated in an effort that misled voters in the campaign. Now, that effort was first revealed last week by the New York Times. Remember, I covered it last week which reported that a group of Democratic tech figures employed Russian-style disinformation tactics to target Republican senatorial candidate Roy Moore, who lost to Doug Jones. And one of the groups involved in that campaign was New Knowledge, a digital research firm that earlier this month prepared a report for the Senate Intelligence Committee on Russia's own influence operations. <laughs> uh, this is too much. You believe this? And, and the Washington Post, unlike, you know, owning Trump, they just accept his statement. They don't go and camp out outside his house. Imagine if this was like a Russian uh, operation. All the hysteria we've seen for the last two years about the Russian meddling campaign. Why isn't the media campaigning up against this guy's house and like, you know, shaming him as he's rushing to his car? You fucking know they'd be doing that if it was some Russian stooge. But no. Oh, yeah, we'll take your statement and then we'll bury this story. Uh, that a uh, AET, that uh, organization, American Engagement Technologies, that digital firm was founded by a former Obama administration official. And, oh, Facebook actually suspended Jonathan Morgan for his role in the effort, which was known as Project Birmingham, because 
Project Birmingham's efforts included Facebook posts with disinformation intended to convince voters not to back more. And now, the Alabama uh, district attorney is saying that this might have violated state campaign laws. That's Attorney General Steve Marshall. And probably nothing will come to this. But they, they, he did say, Marshall did say, the information is concerning the impact it had on the election is something that's significant for us to explore, and we'll go from there. Well, what? what that, there's nothing, that's the thing, you guys. That's why this is impossible to stop. There's nothing against the law. It's not against the law for you to set up some troll Facebook account and lie. It's not against the law to lie. That's your First Amendment rights. If you want to be some lying troll, you're allowed to. That's it. And again, if you're some rich guy like uh, this uh, guy Hoffman, you can give, if you want, $750,000 this guy gave. Damn, dude. I need I need some billionaire to give me $750,000 for the podcast. Be money much better spent than this bullshit idea. But maybe it was money good spent in their eyes. You never know. What else? Oh, let's get on to Kevin Spacey. Boy, he's had... <laughs> He's, he's having a rough week, isn't he? Of course, the actor Kevin Spacey is now being accused of sexually assaulting a young man in a bar. And the Daily Mail has obtained the criminal complaint and police report. And it is quite graphic. So, here we go. Spacey will appear in court next month to be arraigned on charges of indecent exposure Assault and battery that stems from an incident that allegedly occurred in the early morning hours of July 8th, 2016 at the Club Car, that's the name of the place, in Nantucket. So this guy was then 18 years old, and he is accusing Spacey in court documents that the actor tried to, quote, jack him off, end quote, after the Oscar winner allegedly unzipped his fly, stuck his hand in his pants, and began to rub his penis. Okay? He's facing five years in jail for this. Not good, Kevin. And the Daily Mail also writes that Spacey asked the sex assault victim what he was packing and bragged about his own manhood before then unzipping the 18-year-old zipper, groping him, and trying to perform that sex act. He oh Spacey bragged that he himself had an eight-inch penis, and the teen said he believes Spacey was groping him for three minutes and told police he was on Snapchat and Instagram at that time. Okay, hold on. How do you let somebody? If you're, I'm not taking anyone's side here. I'm just asking questions. How do you let somebody grope you for three minutes? If you're not into it, shouldn't it be more like three seconds before you knock him out and or run away screaming? Three minutes. I mean, maybe I'm just saying, if it's three minutes, I'm thinking maybe you're kind of into it. I'm not judging here. I'm just going by the evidence, you guys. But they did say that now the funny thing is about being on Snapchat and Instagram is because police say they do have some sort of uh, video evidence of this. So I'm wondering if that was from the Snapchat and Instagram. Now, while he was touching his penis, again, he's text. Oh, he's also texting. And it is later noted that the victim described 
the groping as Spacey trying to jack him off, uh, but he was not erect. <laughs> so, in his defense, he says he he knows he's not supposed to be drinking. He's not supposed to be drinking at at his work because he I guess that's where he worked, and he's only eighteen. So his mother, Heather Unruh. She said last year that her son was eventually able to get away when a woman walked over to him while the actor was in the bathroom and said, run. Okay, you're, you're a fucking grown man, dude. If you're 18, you're a grown man. Now, following on this, Kevin Spacey, for some reason, when these charges came out, when he's, be- he's being charged for this, and this is felony sexual assault. Pretty serious, right? Well, when this came out, he decided to, like... Uh, make this video, and I'm gonna play a little bit of it. It's a couple minutes long, so I'm not gonna. But he's like, he's like in, a, he's like in an acting role or something, and he decided to put out this video on YouTube while assuming the character Frank Underwood from that his Netflix series House of Cards. He was later kicked off of it, and. He decided to do this again right after being charged with a felony sexual assault. So uh, let's just... It opens with him at the sink chopping vegetables and washing his hands. And it's titled, Let Me Be Frank. You know, again, Frank Underwood is his character. Let's hear this weirdo. Staring at the camera. I know what you want. Oh, sure, they may have tried to separate us, but what we have is too strong. It's too powerful. I mean, after all, we shared everything, you and I. I told you my deepest, darkest secrets. I showed you exactly what people are capable of. I shocked you with my honesty, but mostly I challenged you and made you think. And you trusted me. No. You knew you shouldn't. Drinking from his mug of So we're not done, no matter what anyone says. No, you're done. And besides, I know what you want. No. You want me back. No. Of course, some believed everything and had just been waiting with bated breath to hear me confess it all. They're just dying to have me declare that everything said is true and that I got what I deserved. Wouldn't that be easy if it was all so simple? Only you and I both know it's never that simple, not in politics and not in life. (laughs) Okay, enough of this. Is this not the fucking weirdest thing you've ever seen or heard? Like, he's in total denial. Again, released after he was being charged with felony sexual assault. Like, who told him this was a good idea? I guess it. I suppose it's possible he did it himself. But you heard the audio quality. It's pretty good audio. It wasn't like, you know, shot with like a cell phone camera. This was like he was mic'd up. This was like, a, you know, this was like a professional thing. So somebody, at least one other person collaborated with him on this. and was like, oh, yeah, Kevin, this is a great idea. But crazy. Uh, I should clarify that, okay, I was I was questioning why the young man didn't, like, freak out and run away. Okay, well, in his defense, the article from his mother again uh, said Kevin Spacey bought him drink after drink after drink, and he apparently was quite drunk. Uh, so I guess that's a defense. I don't know. Dude, if a guy touches my fucking crank, you guys, I'm fucking out. I'm not going to say anything stupid like I'm going to smash his face in. I might, but I would prefer not to because then, then now you're now you're dealing with fucking all kinds of cops and shit like that. But you never know. But yeah, I'd be out of there. It wouldn't be three fucking minutes, I'll tell you that much right now. So, 
What else? Oh, I got to talk about this guy, this streaker. A prolific streaker, he's a British man, has streaked at more than 500 events around the world. This guy's 53 years old. He has run nude in front of spectators at the Super Bowl, the Olympics, uh, during a Wimbledon match. (laughs) And he has never... I'm sorry. He has been arrested only a handful of times and convicted of a crime only three times. Again, out of 500. He started streaking at the Hong Kong Sevens Rugby Tournament in 1993. And uh, he says, oh, I only do it during breaks in the action because I don't want to disrupt the play on the field. Oh, that's that's very considerate of you. And he I'm looking at the I'm looking at the video of him streaking it, streaking at the Super Bowl. This was Super Bowl uh, 38 in 2004. And that was in Houston. And he asked the NFL for a referee outfit. Well, I'm assuming he bought a referee outfit. And then he took the clothes to a seamstress to alter them so it would be easier for him to take it off. And he was able to make it out on the field during a break in the action. That was the Patriots and Carolina Panthers. And an American, he said an American football player, he was, he just, so he walks out in his ref uniform. And an American football player said, what's up, ref man? And he then rips all his clothes off and says, the sod is all wrong, mate. The dirt is all wrong. And then he started to river dance in the nude. 500 times. This is what he spent his life, this is what he spent his life doing. I mean, he must be some rich weirdo. How could you even afford this? Uh, pretty wild. Uh, what else? Uh, you know, this is the only podcast that covers Africa. Well, I mentioned it briefly last week, but the Congo election is nearing and they're still rioting. Yeah, and they're dealing with Ebola, so they're all jacked up over there right now. Protesters stormed an Ebola triage center in eastern Congo and set fire to parts of it in a new wave of violent political unrest, and that is aggravated by delays in that long-anticipated election. Now, this happened a day after the Electoral Commission excluded Beni and another eastern city, Butembo, for the elections set for Sunday. Both cities are hot spots in the region's Ebola crisis, and that's why they excluded those cities from doing it. They were afraid of you know, the outbreak growing worse. So all three of those areas happen to be opposition strongholds, which obviously raises questions about whether the exclusions have more to do with Ebola fears or if it's a political motivation. 21 people were missing from the transit center in the city of Beni after the attack. Dude, this is a Congo's a cluster, dude. Yeah, they're suffering an Ebola outbreak. They've got over they've got at least 100 different armed groups that are fighting over there. Uh, and that election um, recall would see the president, Joseph Kabila, have to face somebody, and he's been there for 17 years. So everybody wants him to get out. And his father, Kabila's father, was actually the prime minister or president before him, and his father was assassinated in 2001. So uh, nothing's changed in Congo. Glad to see they're, they're doing good. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, let's do a quick time check here. Okay, okay, good. All right. Uh, 
you Brits out there that I know have some British listeners, I don't know what the hell is going on in England. What has happened to those people? An ISIS supporter who attacked police with a sword outside Buckingham Palace while yelling Allahu Akbar? He has been found not guilty after telling the court, hey, I didn't mean to harm anyone. <laughs> That's all it takes. What's this guy's? Ooh, this guy's got a brutal name. Mohiusanath Chaduri, 27 years old, and he was acquitted by jurors. Oh, God. What is wrong with people? He told jurors his claims to support ISIS were in jest, and his attack was because he was depressed and he wanted police to kill him. Oh, and he worked as an Uber driver. <laughs> this is in August 25th of last year, and one of the officers said he fought for his life. So this is a physical attack, and they just let him go. I'm looking at a picture of the sword right now. You could definitely fucking kill somebody with this thing, stabbing him in the neck. Um, now, after the first trial was, uh, I guess the first trial ended in a hung jury. So he was held in prison, right? And you know how he passed his time? He sketched pictures of an Islamic terror group gunning down a man outside the prime minister residence, you know, 10 Downing Street. Yeah. Oh, there's a picture of it right here. <laughs> Dude, the picture is like shows this guy in full ISIS kit with an AK-47 with a word bubble, like a cartoon bubble, saying Allahu Akbar, in English too, by the way. And you see muzzle flashes coming out of the AK, and there's a British policeman standing outside the door where it clearly says number 10, and there's blood spattered all over the door. And the Brits are like, nah, he's good. Oh my God, what is wrong with those people? The British used to rule the world. What happened to them? Uh, that's one of the great mysteries of, of our time. What happened to the British people? They fucking ruled the waves. They defeated Hitler. I mean, obviously we helped, but still. They were like, and, and, and some of them still are. I've met, uh, I've met some of them. They're warriors. But damn, dude, their population is like fucking sleepwalking or something. I don't know what's wrong with those people. Uh, what? Oh, this is pretty cool. An American explorer just became the first person to cross the Antarctica alone and unaided and finished with an ultramarathon. What? This is Colin O'Brady, a 33-year-old American adventurer, and he capped off the 932-mile mission with an almost 80-mile ultramarathon. So he ran the fucking last 80 miles. Jeez. Uh, he was actually, and he actually was picking up speed as he raced towards the finish line ahead of schedule. This makes him the first person ever to cross Antarctica on a solo, unsupported mission without getting resupplied or using a kite. Hmm, using a kite, huh? What do they use the kite for? I'm not familiar with that. He did have a live tracking map. And he reached his finish line on the Ross Ice Shelf on December 26th. He quickly followed up with photo proof, confirming that he skied 932 miles across the frozen desert, towing a sled full of gear. Now, every other person who's tried that before has either given up or died. A British explorer is actually, right now, trying to accomplish the same goal. And I don't know if he's been successful in this story, but in this story it says uh, at when, when the American finished, 
the Brit named Lewis Rudd was still 73 miles away from the finish line. And you can follow O'Brady on Instagram. He's put all his pictures on Instagram. So, uh, wow, pretty pretty impressive stuff, man. No, no thanks. I hate the cold. There's no way I could do that. Meanwhile, in Brazil, this was one of my uh, favorite stories too. Was the John of God story? You guys, have you guys, have you guys been tracking on John of God? Yes, he is one of these uh, cult leaders and uh, prosecutors. On when did this take place? On Thursday, charged that disgraced Brazilian faith here with rape and sexual assault following his arrest after allegations from hundreds of women who said he had sexually abused them while speaking spiritual guidance or psychic healing from him. His real name is Jao... I don't know how to pronounce the the Portuguese stuff, but it's Jao Teheria de Faria, and he is known as John of God. See, these Brazilian women, if they listen to me, how many times have I told you guys the only reason dudes start these cults or spiritual ministries, whatever you want to call them, is to get laid. That's it. I, I keep trying to tell them. It's a, and it doesn't matter what like denomination they are. You got John of God. Remember you had that Buddhist guy? I covered him. That's, that's all, the, the yoga. Remember the yoga guy? He was a big deal. The, the Bikram dude? He, he's the guy who walked around in the black uh, Speedos 24-7. And shockingly, it turned out he was sexually harassing chicks. I mean, that's the only reason you start a cult is to get women. I don't know why people don't know this. Ladies, get on the ball with this, would you? How do you even end up in that? Like, I'm always seeing these headlines, like that actress, what was it, the Nixium cult? I covered that one, and like some famous actress was in it, and like wealthy people. Did you guys see that uh, documentary about the Bogwan, Wild Wild Country on Netflix, that six-part documentary? God, if you haven't seen it, it's an awesome documentary. And that was that crazy cult. That was the Bhagwan uh, guy from India. And they decided to move to Portland, Oregon and start a cult. And they got all these rich Californians to give him like millions and millions of dollars. They gave him like a million dollar watch, like made out of diamonds. And it's like you'd think these rich people would be have the intelligence. It's not all, That's not always the case. Scientology is another good example. Look how many rich dopes fell into that. Anyway, uh, I keep telling you guys this is coming here, but the, the China thing, the rise in the, the social credit system I've talked about a couple times, well, schools in southern China are now forcing children to wear uniforms embedded with computer chips that track their movements and trigger an alarm if they skip class. More than 10 schools in Guizhou province and the neighboring autonomous region of Guangxi are now requiring students to wear what they call intelligent uniforms. And two chips that are sewn into the shoulders of the school jacket, they can make it through apparently about 500 wash cycles and temperatures of 150 degrees Celsius. And the they decided to start this because the Communist Party wanted to create a smart campus. And the uniform allows t- parents and teachers to track all their students' movements and send out an alert if they are not present in a lesson. And then facial recognition scanners at school gates match the chips with the correct student. 
meaning that if you try to swap a jacket in order to, you know, be truant, you will end up being caught. And I don't know, some of this might be hyperbole, but they are also claiming that alarms will also sound if a student falls asleep in class. <laughs> Jeez. Ugh, scary, dude. And trust me, they would love to do that here. Uh, we, I've, I've talked about the debt a few times. Now there's no constituency for reducing the debt in either party. So I've, I've kind of given up on it. But just in case you're wondering, uh, since last December 25th, the federal government has added another $1,370,760,684,441.54 to the debt. Okay, 1.37 trillion if you weren't keeping up with that. And so we're uh, we're no better off than it was. Of course, Trump had the huge tax cut that contributed greatly to it because we didn't do any offset spending reductions. Apparently, I thought we did, but apparently not. Again, there is no politician who's going to be elected by saying I'm going to cut stuff. That's it. That's the world we live in, you guys. A German police officer has been found guilty of sexual assault. Now, there's a twist to this, because this is a landmark case. He's being charged with sexual assault because he decided to remove his condom during sexual intercourse without the consent of his partner. If you didn't know, on, in, on the Urban Dictionary, they call that stealthing. And it is believed to be the first case of its kind to be prosecuted in Germany. And yeah, the 36-year-old defendant was found guilty in Berlin after carrying out the offense at his apartment. And the victim told the court she explicitly requested the man to wear a condom and gave no consent to sexual intercourse without protection. She added that she realized that the man had not been wearing a condom only... <laughs> I should have seen this coming. Uh, she realized that the man had not been wearing a condom only when he ejaculated. That's right. And the woman subsequently left his apartment enraged, worried that she might have caught a sexually transmitted disease, and called the police. But, uh, you know, this stealth thing is the subject of a lot of legal debate. And it's pro that prosecution has only been made possible in Germany since the country's sex crime laws were reformed in 2016. And those laws place greater weight on consent when considering sexual assault claims. And in case you're wondering, uh, no stealthing cases have been reviewed in the United States yet. However, there have been a few in uh, other countries like Switzerland and Canada. In 2017, in Switzerland, a man was convicted of rape after he stealthed during intercourse and doesn't have the one in Canada. Do can did the Canadian guys do this? Yeah, apparently they do because there was one in Canada also, but they don't have the details in here. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, that's a fucking dick move. You can't be doing that. You guys, come on. What's the matter with you? And, uh, let's see. What else do I have? Uh, justice, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's up and about dude. You know what? I have this story here because I'm questioning this. Look, liberals, I know you want uh, your hero RBG to be around forever, but she's not going to, okay? She did recuperate from cancer surgery. She's fucking 85 years old. She's been treated for cancer two other times. Last month, she cracked three ribs for a uh, in a fall. 
And she actually ruled from her hospital bed at one point. Okay, I, I would like a competency test here. Uh, you know, I've never seen, I haven't seen this. The last time I saw her in any kind of public forum, her, her head is bowed. It's like a fucking weekend at Bernie's scenario here. You can't have this. I want to see that she's like mentally competent. I don't, it doesn't appear that she is at all. So, I mean, they're desperately trying to, you know, to wait out Trump. They don't want Trump to get another, uh, another Supreme Court pick. All right, I promised you guys this one. You guys know I love the racial tirades. This is a good one. I only listened to the first five seconds. But in Oregon, uh, a video shows a knife-wielding white woman unleashing a racist tirade in a parking lot. Uh, this was captured by 20-year-old Amora Robinson by her cell phone. So let me give you the backstory first. So Robertson said she was out with her boyfriend, her aunt, and her 15-year-old daughter at a strip mall parking lot at Christmas Eve for last-minute Christmas shopping. Their vehicle was next to a pickup truck, which, la- uh, which was parked in a handicapped spot, although it did not have a handicapped sticker. And Robertson is claiming that the vehicle's driver picked a fight with him because her aunt, quote, parked crooked, end quote. And she said her daughter was asleep and that the white woman in the video was basically trying to get into her car. And she alleges that the attacker slapped and spit on her boyfriend. Goodyear said something back, and that's when the woman pulled out a knife. And that's when Robertson began recording, okay? You guys got all that? All right, so without further ado, let's see how this goes. Here we go. This bitch is really trying to stop him. What's just up? because. No, I ain't yeah, you stand up and it's called self defense, yeah, you stupid bitch. nigger bitch. Oh. What the fuck you calling a nigger? Oh. Motherfucker. You're racist as fuck. What the fuck? Oh my god. Oh, <laughs> pull the window up. Get the fuck away from me if I beat your ass. No, hell no. Hell no, no, it's not worth it, man. We're in a white ass town. No, I got this little, this little dumb bitch on. Close your fucking door, bitch. She's getting back in her car now. Hell no. She's Call well... me a nigger and shit. What the fuck? She's also wearing camouflage, which is always suspect. Shelly's <laughs> scary. She's gonna get back in See what the... fucking happens, you goddamn nigger! Whoa! Alright. Well, that's... she apparently she has been arrested for threatening somebody with a knife. Oh, God. And speaking of, uh, this is less egregious racism, but NBA star LeBron James was forced to apologize last week after posting an Instagram story that included text from him about, quote, getting that Jewish money, end quote. <laughs> he, he had to apologize if he offended every, anyone. Now, this was a rap lyric, Okay. Oh, you guys know if it's rap lyrics, I get to rap. Do they have their lyric in here? Okay, so this was uh, a song called ASMR by the rapper 21 Savage. Uh, See, these aren't very good rap lyrics because nothing rhymes. But the lyric does go as follows. Quote, We've been getting that Jewish money. Everything is kosher. End quote. Like I said, not. I wish I had the whole verse so I could actually rap a little bit. Because as you guys know, I am a better rapper than like ninety-five percent of contemporary rap artists. Uh, but yeah, you know what? I'm look. I don't know what the big deal is. Okay, you guys know I have Jewish friends. I love Jews. My, you know, all that good stuff. 
is it really that insulting to imply that Jewish people are very successful and have a lot of money? And like, I don't get that. Like, that's like some insult. Like if somebody's like Jews control Hollywood and everybody like loses their shit, like that's the worst thing in the world to say. And I'm like, what's bad about that? <laughs> Isn't that a good thing? Oh, you Jews and your money, you have so much money. Uh, again, what's bad about that? I don't get it. Yes, I know the history of it and all that. I'm just uh, making a point here. Any other, do I have any other racism stuff? Um, I think there's more later on. Let's see. What else? Uh, oh, this one, man. Did you guys hear about this shit? This kid, did you hear about this Saudi who ki allegedly killed a teenager in Portland and then fled the country? And the federal government believes the Saudi government helped this guy escape because he is a Saudi national. Listen to this. This is Abdul Rahman Samir Nora. That's the dude, the Saudi guy. Now, he was charged a year before in the fatal hit and run of a teenage girl crossing Hawthorne Boulevard. And again, these, this story, I have to jump around in this story because everything's mixed up because the writer's trying to be all dramatic, so it's confusing. And this happened two weeks before his June 2017 trial. So right before that trial, a black SUV pulls up in front of his house, right? The private car drove the 21-year-old Portland Community College student to a sand and gravel yard two miles away. That's where Nura sliced off the tracking monitor he had worn around his ankle for months, according to federal authorities. He then discarded it at the scene before vanishing leaving the victim's family crushed and prosecutors angry. So the update is now law enforcement say they believe that Nura got an illicit passport and boarded a plane, likely a private jet, to flee the country. Now, officials with the U.S. Department of Homeland Security and U.S. Marshal Service are all but certain who helped orchestrate the remarkable escape, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. U.S. officials learned just only recently from the Saudi government that Nura arrived back home 18 months ago. And they said they're doing everything they can to try to get him back because he is supposed to be tried in the death of 15-year-old Fallon Smart is the victim's name. Now, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia have no extradition treaty. Wow, I didn't know that which means an arrest of Nura inside the kingdom is unlikely, nor have federal officers confirmed the young man's precise whereabouts within the Middle Eastern nation. Uh, now, this, is, uh, this comes on... You know, everybody's taking a look at Saudi Arabia now because of the Jamal Khashoggi case, which I covered in quite some detail. And the Saudi government, they don't respect our justice system. Let's just, point, let's just be flat out about it. They don't. They don't care. I cannot believe we don't have extradition with them. Unreal. Well, I, I feel really bad for the family. That's a that's a terrible thing to lose a to lose a kid. Very 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 sad. Uh, let's see what else do I have? A New Jersey gym teacher has lost his job recently, and the reason he's been, lost his job is because he has been accused of being a chronic public masturbator. Yeah, one of these guys. Now, this, again, the justice system moves at the speed of a glacier, right? They actually, he was actually caught like three years ago. 
and he's been going through the disciplinary system, and he's finally been kicked out. So he was first arrested in 2015 on charges of lewdness after a police officer spotted him stroking his genitals under his clothes in a CVS parking lot. And a month earlier, a woman had reported seeing a man masturbating under his clothes in the parking lot of a different store. So this is this guy's thing. Now, these lewdness charges were eventually dismissed in 2017 after this guy named John McCabe was admitted into the court's conditional dismissal program. And McCabe then argued that he should not lose his ability to teach because he never pled guilty or was convicted. So even though an administrative law judge initially ruled that he should face suspension, the state board of examiners decided to go ahead and revoke his... uh, his teaching credentials. <laughs> oh, here's a great quote from the cop. So on the August 12th incident, an officer said he saw McCabe standing, standing? In front of the CVS, quote, with his hands in his pants, manipulating his penis, <laughs> end quote. <sighs> oh, God. Why, why? Why would you masturbate in public? There's... I don't know why I ask these questions, you guys. Every week I'm dealing with these clowns. Oh, what? Oh, I, I, I promised you guys that I had some great audio this week, and yes, there's just there's so so much so much good audio. Uh, how about this one? I'm saving the best one for last, but how about this one? I actually had this queued up for last week, but I never got to it, and it was it seemed pretty funny, so I'm gonna do it now. I don't know the whole backstory on here, but. A mom got mad because some chick had a service animal and this mom wanted her, the daughter wanted to pet the service animal and the service animal's owner said no. And apparently the animal has a, you know, one of those vests on. You guys know my thing on the service animal industry. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, but it says do not pet working dog or something like that. So this this mom gets all irate and they have a little confrontation. Let's see how this one goes. Here we go. Yes, I definitely will. Does this have your... Yeah, I'm the owner, so you can talk to me if you have a problem. Okay, yeah, and I'll, I'll definitely be... Do you have a hire-up? Do you have anything else? No, I'm the owner of the company. Okay, well, that was very rude how she definitely It literally to says do okay. not pet on every you single dog's You should have vest. a sign, number one. There number is two, like four signs. You should say... There are four signs She should not leash say... alone. No. She should Excuse say, sorry, the these dogs are in... No. The dogs are in training. Sorry. That could have been nicer. She could have approached you it You asked the question... She and I pet the dog, and she said no. You sh- she should have said that they the were in training. You can walk away now. I don't owe you anything. Bye. I didn't ask you. I did not ask you. You, you came over. You are recording without my consent. Absolutely. You are absolutely. It's legal. It is not legal. It is. Legal. <laughs> okay, call the cops. Call the cops. Call my lawyer right now. Because it's her. It's a. It's illegal to harass service dogs. Is it? It's a misdemeanor to harass and interact with service dogs. Okay, she's getting up and going away. I, I think they're in an airport or something. It looks like in like some kind of airport. Uh, okay, it is, unfortunately, it is quite legal to film people in a public setting. You have no expectation of privacy in public. Uh, is it illegal to harass a service dog? Uh, a police dog, definitely. One of these shyster service, big air quotes here, animals, is that illegal? 
Like, if you just petted it, is that could you go to jail for it? I'm going to plead ignorance on that one. I honestly don't know. Uh, Cancun, Mexico, <laughs> wrapped up uh, 2018 with uh, a shocking level of cartel violence. They uh, broke the record for most annual murders. Yeah, and, and, in, and in fucking brutal fashion, too. The previous annual record for murders was 2017, which was 227 murders, right? In Cancun. This is a tourist area. In 2018, they fucking up the ante quite a bit. They're gonna, as of, what's the date? As of 28 December, Cancun had 540 murders. You believe that? 540 murders. And the most recent one happened when citizens reported the discovery of garbage bags on the side of the road, and one bag was torn open, exposing a decapitated human head and a pair of arms. And yes, the bags contained what appeared to be many dismem—not uh, many uh, dismembered bodies of two unknown victims. Both were apparently tortured and exposed to fire, according to the ministerial police. God, dude, these drug cartels don't play, man. Just between uh, December 24th and December 25th, prior to those garbage bags. Oh, and there's a picture. Holy shit, dude, this picture's gnarly. Yeah, there it is. There's a fucking arm. A hand and an arm coming out of a garbage bag. Yeah, between December 24th and 25th, Cancun experienced at least nine homicides alone. Jeez. And many of them are suspected from drug cartel activity. And this is spilling over now. Like I said, it's, in, it's, it's not just confined to the big cities anymore or the hinterlands. It's spilling into Cancun, Acapulco, and Tijuana, as uh, as I've talked about a few times, has been undergoing all all kinds of cartel related murder as well. Uh, what 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 are you gonna do? There's nothing you can do about this, that's, unless you legalize drugs completely, and we're not gonna do that. Uh, Kent State is investigating an incident, and custodians found feces on a floor in a building and a swastika drawn on the window. <laughs> of a campus building. And I don't know, this might be another fake hate crime, you guys. But this vandalism was discovered in Satterfield Hall, if you know Kent State. This is the language arts building, so you know it's filled with social justice warriors. And they did find uh, all kinds of human waste on the floor and the swastika drawn on the campus window. No reason or note left, and so we don't have any idea who did this and why. Going back to international news, Egypt's president is being accused of fat shaming in a obesity rant. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've been cracking jokes on social media after the Egyptian president went on a 20-minute televised rant complaining about the country's obesity crisis. And this is President Abdel Fattah al-Sisi. And this is his second tirade against obesity in as many months when Health Minister Hala Zayed presented new numbers on the weight of Egyptians on Saturday. And the, the president interrupts the health minister, who is a female, so he, you know, naturally in Egypt he cuts her off. He says, why are we doing this to ourselves? 
And he went on to say he sometimes thinks people and thinks, why is she not taking care of herself? And can you walk like that? He went on to preach that Egyptians should exercise more and suggested overweight people should be banned from television. <laughs> I think you'd find a lot of American television producers secretly agree with him on that one. Oh, man. Yep. Well, you know, this didn't exist in Egypt a couple decades ago. You didn't have, like, fat Egyptians. Not too many, anyway. Times change. All those uh, McDonald's in there. So it's doing. Uh, alcohol and coffee can help you live past 90, says a new study. So, yes, you guys, drink wine and booze and coffee all the time. This is the best news I've had all year. Uh, a study out of the University of California, Irvine, has revealed the consumption of moderate amounts of alcohol and coffee is linked to living a longer life. The key word, of course, being moderate. This study started in 2003 and examined the oldest old age group, about 1,700 non-agenarians. Uh, those are people who live to 90 and beyond. And the study found, among other things, that people who drank moderate amounts of alcohol or coffee lived longer than those who abstained, and that people who were overweight in their 70s lived longer than normal or underweight people did. Hmm. The researchers found that subjects who drank two glasses of beer or wine every day decreased their chances at a premature death by 18%, and those who drank two cups of coffee a day decreased their chances by 10%. Well, you know, again, it's these are fun to talk about, but but again, you know, this is uh, it's all genetics. That's it. Uh, I have a question for you guys: Who got lucky on Christmas Day? How many of you guys banged on Christmas? Do people bang on Christmas? Well, in a new survey, seven out of ten adults claim they have sex on Christmas Day. Nearly half of the 2,000 adults who took part in the holiday survey say they even have a Christmas Day sex date penciled in on the calendar. And according to the National Center for Health Statistics, months August and September do have the most births each year. I was a uh, September baby myself. So... That's what they said to do. 47% of respondents admit they've had sex in their childhood bedroom while visiting their parents. <laughs> oh, God. What do you guys think? You guys, are you guys banging on Christmas Day? I did not. I, I, I was not so lucky. So uh, I don't know. But 7 out of 10. All right. It's good stuff. Uh, let's talk about this. I, I also neglected to talk about this last week. This campaign, this GoFundMe campaign for Trump's border wall. Did you guys see? Well, the story I have, which was December 27th, says it has raised over $17 million. I actually checked this morning. It is now over $18 million. And this is from Air Force veteran Brian Koflage. I've seen him around social media before. That is crazy. Now, okay, I, I admire the enthusiasm, and it's kind of like a kick to show how much. I get it. Okay, it's to show the government, look, look, look at the constituency for this. Many people are given 18 freaking million dollars to build this. Now, unfortunately, there's no like mechanism to give this money. Now, you can always write a check to the U.S. Treasury. We know that you can just give the government money. 
but you can't like earmark it for certain things is the problem. Like I can't, you, you can't just write a check of for 50 bucks to U.S. Treasury and say, I want this going to pay the salaries of Border Patrol agents. There's, there doesn't exist a mechanism for it to be specific that way. And that's the problem. So is this symbolic? What is this? Now, I don't want to trash the guy or anything, but Brian Koflage has done some sketchy stuff before. He's 37. He's a triple amputee veteran. I believe he's an Air Force vet. Um, and he was the, you know, again, I don't want to trash the guy, but this is relevant, okay? I, I show you guys the story, warts and all, I let you make the decision. I'm not cheerleading here. Now, Koflage has run Facebook pages in the past, which have been purged by Facebook. And an NBC News report called his background questionable over these Facebook pages that often published hoaxes and conspiracy theories. So on the GoFundMe campaign, Koflage does not mention his past running of Facebook pages, such as Right Wing News, Veteran AF... I don't know if that's supposed to be veteran as fuck or veteran Air Force because he's an Air Force veteran. And also another one called Freedom Daily. Now, Koflash has spoken openly of that in the past, and he has accused Facebook of censorship and saying he was never told what rules he had violated on the platform. Uh, so his offense, and he's not allowed on Facebook anymore. Uh, he also said they've threatened his wife that they would delete her account if they caught him on Facebook. So what here's here's some here's some headlines from that Facebook page called Freedom Daily that he ran. Uh, one headline read, quote, money grubbing Muslims stole over 16 million dollars from needy Americans. Trump has perfect punishment. Another headline reads, Kaepernick just released his own Bill of Rights and is forcing everyone in America to follow it, end quote. Uh, oh, a third one says, quote, obnoxious black people lose their minds when Victoria's Secret models say this one word on live video, <laughs> end quote. Uh, so it's like clickbait stuff. Well, in October, the sites were all removed by Facebook in a purge of 559 pages and 251 accounts. They said the pages violated their rules against spam and inauthentic behavior. Uh, so Koflage said he had tried to set up meetings with Facebook to learn how he could adhere to the company's evolving content pay policies. He mentioned that he had talked with Facebook maybe 50 times in the last few months. Not once did they ever say we broke any rules or did something wrong. Hmm. And he's saying that he had not mentioned the failed Facebook ventures while raising funds for the wall because he did not want it to be a distraction. All right, well... I don't know. I have not donated the border wall just because, again, there's there, there's no way to do this, okay? So uh, that that's your information. Take your, I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't get into the co-flash thing enough. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a stand either way. How about this? Four alleged leaders of an extremist Jewish sect have been arrested on charges of kidnapping two children in New York, and the children have been safe, found safe in Mexico crazy. Uh, the three leaders, plus a fourth man who had already been arrested, have been charged with abducting the victims from their home in upstate New York and taking them out of the country. Uh, th I'm tr this is like, okay, they're all wearing 
This is like a hardcore sect, you can tell. They're all wearing the, uh, they've got the curls. They've got very large decorative hats. And this group is called Lev Tahor. L-E-V, two words. L-E-V-T-H-T-A-H-O-R. And it is an extremist Jewish sect based in Guatemala. Hmm. Now, this sect was founded by a guy named Shlomo Helbrins who in 1994 was convicted of kidnapping a 13-year-old in New York. So this is like the thing to do. He was later deported to Israel and then ended up drowning in Mexico in 2017. This is bizarre. Yeah, you see they have they have a lot of pictures here of them walking around in Guatemala and the women are in like full burkas, like Taliban-esque, like faces and everything, and the kids are in these like weird fur hats. Wow. People are fucking nuts, dude. How about did you guys ever see that show uh, Bizarre Foods with Andrew Zimmer? I've seen it a few times. It's been on the Travel Channel. He's that bald guy. He goes around kind of like Anthony Bourdain did, eating crazy foods. Well, he has been he's been like shoved out of prime time on the Travel Channel after claiming Chinese food in the Midwest is being served in quote horseshit restaurants end quote. And they said they're not going to film anymore. All because of that? Jeez. Yep, filming has been stopped for both shows and is not expected to continue. I've seen the show a few times. It's, it's, it's pretty good. But yeah, he was throwing out some jabs at the Chinese restaurant uh, in the Midwest. And he, this is the full quote was, quote, I think I'm saving the souls of all the people from having to dine at these horseshit restaurants masquerading as Chinese food that are in the Midwest, end quote. Well, what? So what? Oh, the upset is the upset is because uh, this is Chinese American community, and he claims that some of his remarks were taken out of context. So, what's what's the problem? You know, nothing's going to be interesting anymore because that's a problem, you guys, with depending on these social justice warriors who run these TV shows and YouTube and the Silicon Valley people. In the a few people complain on Twitter and they yank your whole your whole deal. You know, I know a few of you have contacted me about the Patreon scandal. If you don't know, obviously I use Patreon to help the podcast keep going, and uh, you know it's great. But Patreon's under fire for kicking people off their platform for like stuff they do in real life that's not even related to what they do on Patreon, and they're getting suspended. So a few people, a few big names, have left Patreon in protest. And uh, I mean, I'm not going to do that because I don't feel like I've done anything wrong. And I've never been contacted by anything, so I'm not going to rock the boat. I hope not to. Hopefully, there's other options out there. But you can't... That's the thing, you guys. This, that's why it's not just a black and white free speech issue. It's its pretty crazy. This affects people's livelihood. What are you supposed to do? Start your own Patreon? It's not that easy. Uh, what... what? What else? I know I'm just scrolling down through here. I, I Okay, I guess I have to... Well, I definitely have to do this. And I was very excited to play this audio, if I can just find it. Oh, yeah, here it is. And many of you, again, did send this to me. So this is the vape shop audio in Georgia. Let me, again, give you some background. This guy's name is Ian Ferguson, and he's 36 years old. He's in a vape shop in Georgia, right? And he's wearing a Make America Great Again hat, 
and he's wearing a Trump shirt. So he's he's all decked out. So the employee did not care for his Make America Great Again hat and Trump shirt, and he at first respectfully asks him to leave. But after Ferguson goads him, he explodes and launches an expletive-filled rant. And he does say this place, the, the vape shop is called Exhale City with an X, X-H-A-L-E, get it? And he said the corporate office got in touch with him afterwards and told him this employee uh, was fired. And then they promptly deleted all their social media pages for last night. <laughs> so there are actually a couple different videos of here, but this is the this is the one that everybody seems to be playing. Okay, this is about two minutes long. And I, I've again, I only heard the first few seconds, so let's uh, let's enjoy this experience together. Here, here we go with the vape shop. Here's where we're at. Leave the store. Here's where you're at. Leave the store. Here's Leave where, the store. Here's where Leave the store. Here's where Leave the here's... store. Fuck off. I don't give a fuck. Get out. Dude, go ahead. Take another swing at it. Make contact with me one more time. Okay. I'm going to make a deal with you. I want to purchase that vape juice. No. If you sell it to me, no. I will If you sell it to me, no. I will if wow. you sell it to me, no, I won't I'm, call the police. I'm, what you did was assaulted me. What I need is that for my wife. If you sell it to me, I won't call the fucking cops and press charges on you for assault. I won't call corporate and get you fired. Just sell me the fucking product so I can leave. What do you want? Naked in a the strawberry in a fucking six milligram. Where do you see naked? Right here. This shit. Where is it? Where this? the fuck do you see? Right that? there. Here. Right next to that. In a six milligram, make sure it's a six milligram so I don't have to come back. No, you're not fucking coming back to my store, homie. I'm making sure of that. Get the fuck out of here, dude. Oh my fuck. He's ringing him up. God bless America. Capitalism wins again. Fuck your capitalism. Fuck your fucking president. He's a racist, stupid piece of shit. You're right, a racist, just ring the shit up. stupid piece of shit. Just ring the shit up, fuck boy. Fuck off. <laughs> Do my bidding. Sell it to me. Sell it to me, Call Cops. It's your job, your freedom. Sell me the shit. Fuck it, you can be. I have no no no. Sell it to me. Sell it to me. Fuck off. Come on. Ring it up. Ring it up and you don't ruin your life. That's where you're at right now. Because you done upset me. And you should have helped him first in the first place before you threw a temper tantrum, dipshit. He's standing here waiting for you to ring him up. How fucking get is out! Possible? Help your customer! Fuck off! Fuck off! Oh my god! Oh my god! Whoa! <laughs> uh, he's having a good time. Yeah, business card. We are going to be here all day. Get out! I'm cool with it. I'm recording. You got a business card for your manager or anything Fuck like no. that? I ain't giving you fucking dick. Oh my god. Wow, that was two that was two minutes twenty seconds. I could listen to that all day. Oh okay. First of all, I object to the entire premise of being in a vape shop in the beginning. Okay, what is wrong with you people? The vape. Come on. Smoke like a man or don't, okay? One of the two, the vape. Anyway. The vape shop guy is uh he he looks exactly like you would expect a guy who shrieks like that would look like. Uh, he's very, he's quite pale. Uh, he's bearded. He's a ginger, and he's quite paunchy and uh, slovenly. Again, what you would kind of expect from a guy who sounds like that. Wow, that was some scream. I don't even think I could scream like that. 
guy sounded like he was being murdered. Uh, you got it. You, 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 I do. I will say you got to love the dudes who walk around in the Trump shirts. I, I, in Georgia, you could probably get away with that a little bit more. But out here in Cali, like you're just asking if, if say I wore, say I had an Amer- make America great again hat. The only I would not wear it like not because I'm afraid, but I don't want to deal with the constant blowback you would get. Because that's like a fucking trigger to these people. The the Make America Great Again hat, it's like, uh, it just enrages them. So, good, great, great stuff there. That's some that's some all-time video. Good stuff. Go check it out for yourself. Uh, here's a headline for you ladies, you internet daters. You ready for this? YouTube bodybuilder stabs Tinder date, then dies after police tasing. What the f- Okay, a lot going on in that headline, so let's unpack it. Yes, a 25-year-old YouTube bodybuilder from Massachusetts died late on Thursday after he was tased by police who found him violently stabbing a woman he met on Tinder at his mom's house. This was Eric Stelzer. And the cops arrived at his house around 10 p.m. when they said he repeatedly slashed his date, who has been identified as her family, as, as a 24-year-old veterinary assistant, Megan Tapley. And he slashed her in the face with a knife. So in order to rescue the victim, they decided to use tasers to subdue him. Well, he became unresponsive soon after the tasing and stopped breathing while being transported to the hospital. He frequently posted videos to YouTube of his fitness routine. Oh, this is sad. They said the victim is likely going to lose her eye. Yikes. That's like a traumatic attack. She's going to need plastic surgery, all kinds of specialists. A source told police that Stelzer was in an altered mental state or suffering a possible mental health issue at the time of the domestic violence incident. Wow. (laughs) ladies i would just make it a general rule like you probably shouldn't go to the tinder guy's house on the first date i'm just saying i'm throwing it out there Uh, it's your uncle bk talking to you i know none of you are gonna fucking listen to me what's new you're gonna get on tinder and bumble and the dude's gonna be like oh come over to my house i got weed and you're gonna be like okay what's the worst that can happen and then fucking bam your eyeballs fucking gone because you didn't listen to me no I can't make you listen to me, ladies. I can't. I want to. I can't do it. Um, well, we had another one of these in Missouri. I'm just going to do some quick hits now because we're running out of time. A mom has been sentenced to 10 years in prison for the death of her 5-year-old son who was shot after the fucking stupid idiot left three small children home alone with a loaded shotgun. Yep. Oh, there were two loaded guns. That's nice. Yeah, same old story, you guys. Uh, her five-year-old son, Timothy, died from a shotgun blast. This actually happened in July, but she has been sentenced, and uh, she got 10 years. So the shotgun was loaded, and a 22 caliber rifle in the room uh, was also loaded, and this fucking dope left him there. Jeez. You know, that should be the death penalty, in my opinion. If you're that stupid, you should get the death penalty. Did you see this tsunami in Indonesia? Like, they haven't had enough fucking tsunamis, right? The number of people 
that were injured in that disaster. And if you were on social media, you saw me retweet out some of the video. They said uh, 7,000 were injured, and the official death toll as of the last time I checked this morning was 426 people have been killed, and two dozen people remain missing almost a week after the disaster. And these figures come a day after Indonesia's disaster agency raised the danger alert level for an erupting volcano that was responsible for sparking that tsunami over the weekend. And yeah, and also nearly 1,300 homes were destroyed as the waves crashed into the coastline of western Java Island and South Sumatra. And yeah, it's pretty tough on Indonesia because, you know, they're not very far above sea level. So it's not like, it's not like here on the west coast, you know, if a huge tsunami was coming, I could just sprint up the hill, you know, and OB here. And I'd be instantly, you know, 500 feet above sea level and I'd be all right. There's nowhere to fucking go on these low-lying islands. I also tweeted this one out. A journalist named Bree, could be Bray, Bray Payton. I'm going to say Bray, B-R-E, right? Bray Payton, she worked at the Federalist, a right-wing news site. Well, she was found dead at home at age 26. And I'm sorry, I misspoke. Let me get this right. Again, this story is written all out of order. She was found unconscious at home and then was taken to the hospital and died in the hospital, and she was diagnosed with swine flu. When's the last time you heard that one? Yeah, H1N1, and I'm a little concerned because this happened in San Diego. After hours of test, doctors determined she was suffering from the H1N1 virus, commonly known as swine flu, as well as possible meningitis, according to a page, the fundraising page set up for her. And I saw many of her uh, publishers and stuff uh, did tweet out, and then it was a, just tragedy. 26 years old. How do you... I'm just, She had to have some kind of compromised immune system. 26-year-olds just don't die of the flu. Not in this day and age, they don't. I mean, yes, I know they do. I'm saying in, like, massive numbers, you know, like they used to back in, like, the 30s, when, like, thousands and thousands of Americans used to die of the flu. I think it's... Is it still that many? I don't know. Get your, get your vaccinations. A couple of you guys hit me up on the DM on Twitter asking me about the vaccinations. Look, I go to the VA for doctor's appointments and checkups and stuff, and every time they're like, hey, you want to get the flu shot? And I always just say yes. So I believe in the science, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust that the vaccination is far more helpful than harmful. And the decline of worldwide flu deaths since the 1920s and 30s is a testament to these vaccines having efficacy. Obviously, nothing is 100% efficient, but that's it. I, I'm going to get the vaccine. Sad, sad story. Uh, a female medical, med, middle school teacher has gotten two years in prison for having sexual relations with two girls aged 13 and 17. <laughs> these teachers are out of control. I don't know. I do these stories every week with the teachers. I think they're worse than the priests. And then on top of that, a North Carolina teacher, 39 years old, has gotten six months in jail for classroom sex with two 17-year-old male students. Jeez. I'm trying to think if this was at the same time. I know. I want all this detail. Let me see. I'm just scrolling through here. 
any good stuff. Uh, no, she did. This teacher did talk to two students over a phone app used at the school district to allow teachers to post assignments and students to ask questions. And then they exchanged personal cell phone numbers, and then they started Snapchatting. Oh, boy. Next thing you know, she's sending nude photos of herself. And the, de- the next day, this teacher and the student kissed after class, and she performed oral sex on him. Jesus. <laughs> I love the mug shots, dude. They're all like, these chicks are all like crying. Like, dude, you couldn't, you, you had to bang a 17-year-old? Remember that story I did a couple weeks back about the Lehigh University student who slowly poisoned his black roommate with rat poison? You guys remember that? And, and then he wrote racist graffiti over his belongings? That was Yukai Yang. He was a Chinese international student. Well, he has been picked up by ICE after being jailed for attempted murder. And he tried to flee back to China, but he was unsuccessful. And now they're looking at allegations that Yang is involved in the poisoning of a second student. Yeah, remember, his first, the first one was his roommate, Juwan Royal. And Yang decided to scribble the N-word all over his desk and he slowly was get, like feeding him rat poison every day. And this kid finally went to the hospital was like, God, I don't feel so good. And they're like, dude, you have fucking rat poison in your system. And that's how they caught him. Well, now they think he's been, now they think this is like his thing. Crazy shit. A uh, 68-year-old Michigan mom dies on Christmas Day after becoming engulfed in flames when she dropped a lit cigarette on her bathrobe. Jeez. She was not sleeping. Her husband was there. He pulled her to the floor to try to smother the flames, called 911, but she died. She succumbed to her injuries. I guess you don't have that problem with the vape juice, you know. That fucking robe fabric must have been like tinder. Must have gone up like a crazy torch. But yeah, she died. At first I thought she fell asleep, but she didn't. Uh, the, uh, The list of objects stuck inside people's orifices that required emergency room visits have been... Released the Consumer Product Safety Commission's database. Uh, they they release this every year, and they talk about all kinds of sa- emergency room visits. And yes, the rectum appeared to be the most common place for objects to be embedded. And there are many excellent excellent X-rays of stuff. Uh, some of the household items were seven ounce beer bottles. Uh, aerosol cans, a plastic cigar holder, and a plastic pill bottle. Yes, they found all of those inside people's anuses. Oh, and, oh my God, the Buzz Lightyear toy was found inside a man's anus. Yeah, you know, like from Toy Story, a candy cane. I'm looking, these are all x-rays, you guys. A bottle, holy shit. And it's funny how all these uh, appeared to be accidental, according to the victim. Yeah, one guy said, look, I just jumped on my bed, and my toothbrush was on my bed, and it went up my ass. Oh, another guy said, I sat down on the sofa, and I accidentally sat on a ballpoint pen, which then lodged in my rectum. Uh, so, <laughs> some genius squirted a mixture of bleach and water into his rectum because he wanted to prevent AIDS. Uh, one guy got a vibrator stuck in his rectum, and then he tried to remove it with a screwdriver. 
Not only did he lacerate his rectum, but he succeeded in pushing the vibrator deeper into his colon. God. And they also found a Christmas ornament ball, a cell phone, and the leg of a telescope have been found in patients. Uh, go check out the whole list. They're, like I said, fan, absolutely fantastic x-rays. Oh, God. Good Lord. Here's a pop quiz. Who is James Bird? Is, remember that? Do you remember that name? Little, little, uh, not fame. Well, he's pretty famous in a way. He was the African American man who was dragged to death in 1998 by John William King. Why is this in the news? Because John William King is 44. He will now, uh, they have been uh, trying to get him the lethal injection date. Well, he has now been sentenced for a final order for death by lethal injection. It's supposed to take place April 24th, 2019. Uh, Bird, James Bird, accepted a ride from King and two other guys, and then they beat him. He, uh, King was a white supremacist. And they beat the guy, chained him by his ankles or pickup truck, and dragged him for three miles. He died about halfway through after his body hit a culvert, which severed his right arm and his head. Uh, one other guy was executed already in September 2011, and the third guy is serving life in prison with the possibility of parole in 2038. Hmm. I, what, why, is the, why was this guy not executed in 2011 if the other guy does? I don't, I don't understand our justice system at all. Uh, a firefighter's recalled in Poland because a man got his penis stuck in a ball bearing of an automobile. And yes, he was reportedly using it as an unconventional sex toy. <laughs> the man was reported to be between 50 and 60 years old. Come on, what are you doing? You, old, you guys are supposed to know better, aren't you? Uh, a woman in India was arrested after cutting off the penis of a stalker who constantly harassed her and asked her for sexual favors. The identif unidentified 47-year-old woman lured her 27-year-old neighbor... Uh, she was a mother of two and married. So this chick lured him to an isolated area of Mumbai. And with the help of two men, she then cut off his genitals and then rushed him to the hospital. So this was like fucking planned out, dude. Did any word on whether... Oh, they, the police did recover the knife and genitals. No word on whether or not they were successfully able to reattach it. But they did, uh, they did recover the genitals. That's good. Um, a, you guys know the old flaming bag of poop trick? We've seen it in movies. I've never done it, but I've seen it many times. I've heard of it many times. That's, you know, you, you light a bag of poop on fire on somebody's porch. The guy comes out, stomps the fire out. He gets poop all over his shoe. Funny, right? Well, apparently it's not so funny anymore because an 18-year-old man was arrested on Christmas Eve on felony arson charges after he pulled the old flaming bag of dog poop trick. Uh, in... Where is this? Shippensburg. This is in Pennsylvania. <laughs> this guy's mugshot. Nice man bun, bro. Yeah, he was arrested, Dylan Prince, and charged with single counts of arson and risking catastrophe as well as four counts of recklessly endangering another person. Jeez, you're, uh, you're going to go away in a lot for a long time. And let's... Why don't we finish on a strong note? Let's finish 2018 on a high note. You guys know I like to end on a high note. Well, a University of Michigan researcher 
has been charged with distribution, receipt, and possession of child pornography, including some that involved bestiality. <laughs> yes. Michael Zeidler, 48 years old, of Ann Arbor, was charged after an FBI investigation that began in November when an undercover detective downloaded more than 400 images depicting child erotica, 187 images of child pornography, and 51 videos of child pornography from a network that Michael Zeidler operated. And based on information provided to the FBI, they noted an internet user utilized two different IP addresses that came back to the University of Michigan Ann Arbor campus. Yes, the big U of M. They contacted U of M, and they were able to identify Zeidler as the user of the IP addresses and got an arrest warrant. And videos distributed on the network included one of an adult male. Oh, my God. Engaging in sex with a two- to three-year-old child who was gagged. And another video depicted a four- to six-year-old girl performing oral sex on a dog. Oh. <laughs> and Zeidler, after he was arrested, also admitted to setting up a camera in his home to record exchange students who were staying at his residence, going to the bathroom between 2012 and 2018 for six years, right? He then saved the recordings to his laptop and then later watched and masturbated to them. He was hired by U of M in 1999 and is employed as a research lab specialist. What? Now, now, keep in mind, you guys, this is not to be confused with the Michigan State university health physicist which i covered heavily here remember that's the guy who was charged with committing bestiality against a dog remember that that was the guy who penetrated a dog with both his hands and his penis so uh, I, now guess what all you fucking michigan higher education people you're all fucking suspect dude what is going on in michigan you're honestly, Michigan has taken the crown from Florida. I, I feel bad saying it, Michigan guys, but you know it's true. I don't know what the hell's going on up there. Guys masturbating to exchange students, going to the bathroom, dudes getting balls deep in dogs. What is happening? And these are very highly educated people. I don't understand it. That's fucking it, you guys. I'm done. That's the last podcast of 2018. Thank you very much, guys. I can't. I can't even begin to express my gratitude. Man, it's, it's a lot of podcasting. I don't know what the new year is going to hold. Um, I don't know if I'll finish the year and, and keep this going. I really am kind of taking it week to week. Um, the Patreon, all my, I can't thank my patrons enough. I think it's up to like 160-something patrons now. Because of you is why I keep doing this. I probably would have stopped a long time ago, but I enjoy doing it. And you guys motivate me to keep doing it. All your nice notes saying that you like the podcast motivates me to keep doing it. Is it going to go on forever? Probably not. I really don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to try to keep going as long as I can, and maybe one day it will be financially feasible for me to do this all the time. Hard to say. So uh, that's it, 2018. It's been a pretty good year on reflection. You know, not too crazy. Uh, you know, it's a, it was a big kind of tumultuous year for me, you know, not contracting anymore and doing all that whole stuff. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. 
Uh, go ahead and follow me at BK Actual on Twitter and Instagram. And hey, if you feel the spirit move you to do so, please go on Patreon.com. Look up BK Actual. Consider making a donation to keep the podcast going. I really appreciate it. And like I said, I, the the money is not that important. It's more the support and the motivation from it that gets me to come down here and try to do the best I can every week. So that's going to do it for me, you guys. 2018, heck of a year. Let's make 2019 even better. Let's stay motivated, stay positive, go into the new year, get shit done, accomplish your dreams, do all that good stuff. That's all for this week and for 2018. I'll see you next year. I'm going to bring my world.